Boys, we are back for another week of SVS Fly Fishing Podcasting. It is so weird coming in and doing this after not drinking for a full day. <laughs> I mean, we're doing a midweeker right now, so we all work for eight hours today, and that cuts into drinking time before we come in and do this. Yeah, I, you know, I come sliding into home base, you know, with, you know, into, into a beer. Like, you know, I'm like busting through, you know, into a beer, like... So, you know, as I walk into the shop, you know, I mean, like, right through the shop, it's like beer in hand right there. I'm going to set it down, wash my hands, and keep, you know. So I had two, and then I went home. And <laughs> I, I did an activity today. I'll, I'll get to that if we did uh, blah, 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 blah. I did an activity today, which I drank while we did it with my family. So uh, I'll get to that after we get some plugs in. But, man, it was pretty fun. Woo! <laughs> so, hey, tonight's show being brought to us by Predator Fly Gear. Check them out at PredatorFlyGear.com. Eric's Hooks. If you're going to tie, tie in Eric's Hooks. Eric'sHooks.com. Yeti, built for the wild. Tonight's show is being recorded from the Urban Fly Company studios. Check Mark out at UrbanFlyCompany.com. Sims Fishing. SimsFishing.com. Why Not Fishing and their app, The Dock. And our boy Ryan Evans at Queen City Guiding. QueenCityGuiding.com. God damn it, Dr. Adam. I was trying to find the list of plugs for you so you could uh, not yeah. feel left out. Yeti's all I got. I don't know. <laughs> Ooh, look at that. I got a new text message because I'm getting a new toolbox tomorrow. Oh. Woohoo! <laughs> what kind? Uh, Snap-on cart. Oh, yeah. It's a, a repo. Mm. I That's the only way I buy boxes. Uh, the, the box I'm actually working out of now is a repo. And shit, man, for the price of it, you can't, can't afford not to... By repos. Like repossessed by the police? Like repossessed by the snap-on man. Oh, okay. Like he, he repos his own stuff. Yeah. <laughs> like he's like, hey, you stop paying your bill. I'm going to come take my shit back. Yeah. He, oh, said, yeah. he said he went into the shop and said, you 60-year-old fuck. If you don't give me money right now, I'm taking both of those carts. He took both the carts, and then me and the other guy at work today bought both of those carts. What kind of payment plans do you guys get on these carts? Oh... I I know the the final payment. Yeah. Like what it costs me. Um I'll probably end up paying like 50 bucks a week. Hmm. So that ends up being like 200 bucks a month. So yeah, it's not bad, but For it's How long? I mean, till it's paid off. Like a couple grand or what? It's a grand. A grand. Okay. $1,000. 10 hmm. Benjamins. All right. So, uh, it's normally like a $2,000 box. Uh-huh. So, it's a uh, you can't afford not to buy it. Mhm. Right. My wife, I, I just snuck it in. I made sure we came over to my mom's house, and I snuck it. Hey, babe, I bought a cart today. She's like, you what? <laughs> I said, hey, mom, what, what, what's going on? <laughs> you got to drop that news in front of people. Yeah. Oh, yeah, that's the best way to do it. Wait for your ass whooping later. So Sunday, I got pretty fucked up while we were doing podcasts, <laughs> and I lost my flip-flops. I had to go home barefoot. No shit. <laughs> yeah, I found them now. <laughs> so, but I had to go home barefoot on Sunday. It was cold. <laughs> what in the fuck were you doing wearing flip flops? It was twenty three degrees, man. It wasn't that warm. Did you have long johns on? No, I'm in flip flops right now. 
Jeez, you're crazy. It's freezing outside. I I cooked fish. It was nine degrees this morning. I fi- were you in flip flops? No, I was outside working. But uh, when when I did the in fish, flip-flops. when I did the fish fry on Sunday, I was in flip flops. You're fucking nuts, man. I'm telling you, man. Hey, it's all about being comfortable, and this is what suits me. Man, I'm living my best life. That skinny, that black, that black tight T-shirt <laughs> actually makes you look skinny, Chad. Well, it's because it's sucking me in. <laughs> it's, holding all, it's holding it all in. It's like cotton spandex. <laughs> <laughs> so speaking of uh, sucking me in, we uh, we went. This is a horrible segue. <laughs> <laughs> but I took my Jeez. my family over ice skating at the pond this afternoon. Mm-hmm. That was a goddamn hoot. My son was crying because he was like, I want to keep ice skating. He said, buddy, we got things to do tonight. Dad's got to go call Chris Willen, you know, and uh, got to get a shower because I had a horrible day at work and mom's getting freezing. But I said, tomorrow, dad doesn't have to work on Friday. We can skate till till you turn blue. You know? That sounds fun. My, yeah. uh, my mom's cousins, they used to live over in Vienna and they had that, that sweet ass bass pond. Yeah. But they had a stockpile of ice skates. And they when they moved out to Idaho, they were like, hey, just come on over and grab these ice skates. I said, yes, we'll do that. So uh, old 1940s ice skates. So you got a bunch? You got yeah. some toddler sizes? Um, I got one pair of toddler size that goes over the shoes. Yeah. And it has two runners at the bottom of it. That could be fun. All right. Maybe bring the kids over. Yeah, tomorrow. Next couple days. Tomorrow after work. We'll be doing it till Nolan turns blue. All right. <laughs> and then he we, he snowboarded down the hill, and Sweet. it was ice conditions. It wasn't powder conditions. Oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> so he he landed on his, his butt a couple times. Oh yeah. <laughs> and that always you know that was always a tough situation. We're taking him to Peak and Peak here, the last weekend in February. Hmm. So he's gonna learn to snowboard. I told him I said we can't just do it for like fifteen minutes, and when you fall, you you give up because. Because we're paying for the, the rental, you know what I mean? Yeah. He's like, I know, Dad. I know. Are you decent on a snowboard? I'm all right. Yeah. You're all right, I'm, right, Jay? I'm, I'm yeah, pretty good. I'm solidly I'm all right. Yeah. <laughs> Ernie and I used to, uh, over here in this hill, we'd back my S10 and play Rob Zombie as loud as the 12-inch speakers <laughs> in the back of my S10 would go, and we could set up a kicker ramp Yeah. and just throw ourselves off of this ramp. Yeah. <laughs> it was the most fun you could have with your clothes on. <laughs> and when I say clothes on, I mean like 14 layers. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I remember that as a kid coming that's over wh- here. That's where my snowboarding days, they stopped there. They they started and stopped there. A couple broken bones and never got into the the big ski lift kind. Yeah, I mean, I, I don't know. I couldn't go out and hit rails or anything else like that at all. But... I could definitely probably go down the hill well. I haven't, <laughs> I haven't done it in a couple of years. Last time I probably snowboarded might have been with you. I think it was. <laughs> I haven't was heard you talk about it since then. Freaking while ago now, and so I don't know. It I, was before. I try not to go break bones. It was before our kids. Yeah, so it's been seven years. So it's been a while for me. Mm-hmm. Ports have been sitting there a while. Yeah, it's a shame. So, um, you guys were talking about some archery equipment acquisitions. Yeah, it's the same way you had to buy that snap on box i had to uh buy a a hoyt what's it a, a hoyt turbo defiance that i i couldn't pass up is it, was, it new no it's used it's but, new to you new to me yes 
new to me. A guy was selling it locally, and it was too good of a deal to pass up. So I got that, and then we'll, we'll get Jay into some I compound. called him, and I was like, I'll, yeah. I'll buy that. <laughs> Yeah, and and he was like, I already bought it. Yeah. <laughs> I'm like shit, <laughs> damn it! All right, oh. yeah. I might sell have, me your old bow then. I might have one you can use. I'm a, I might buy yeah, his we'll, old one. Yeah, we'll get Jay into him. some compound bow shooting with the the Matthews that I was shooting, but oh, you don't want to be Team Matthews. You know I, what they do? <laughs> <laughs> nah, <laughs> it doesn't matter. Either either a great bow. You might as well ride a Polaris. Oh, whatever. <laughs> Is that how that goes with all the white people? Yeah, yeah, definitely. We're we're definitely brand loyal. Mm-hmm. So, um, you guys are talking about joining archery league. Yeah, I don't know anything about it, but you know, I'm primarily interested in in just the hunting aspect of it. But I figured it'd be a great way to practice and to have a couple more boys' nights out. I will say, if you guys do want to join archery league, um, at at our local archery shop, Golden Grain, mm-hmm. um, do the Tuesday night league because mm-hmm. Monday nights it's like shooting with a bunch of corpses. Mm-hmm. They're they're real quiet. They shoot, and then that's it. Uh-huh. Tuesday night we go out and we drink beers afterwards. We drink beers beforehand. We just don't <laughs> drink beers in the shop. Uh-huh. Uh, it's loud. We hoot holler. Um, whoever's last on the line shooting, they get the ooh. Don't miss. You know, it, yeah. it, we hackle. We have a good time. Uh, people are always farting like to throw <laughs> other people off. It, it's fun. Um, this year's a little different. They they have 16 lanes there. Mm-hmm. And normally we have 16 people on the line at once. This year it's one person for every two lanes. And then they have like plastic hanging in between the two lanes. So it's it's not as intense as it has been. Mm-hmm. But there's less people in the leagues. So it's, I don't know, it's still fun, yeah. but it's not like it was. Yeah. Hopefully, you know, by next year it'll even kick back up. You'll yeah. be getting back into that. I, I think a lot of people that were scared to do it this year will be vaccinated and not afraid to do it next year. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. But it, it's a great time. It's a hoot. And then it, you get the added competition. Yeah. You know? That's something that my old ass is lacking. So I, <laughs> the competitive I, side. Yes. Yeah. Um, the bow I had been shooting was an old Hoyt Deviator. Yeah. And shoot, I think when we started this podcast, I talked about it, and that bow could drink then. <laughs> so it's probably 26 years old now. Oh, yeah. Um, this week I just started shooting. My stepdad had an, old, or an older Hoyt Ultratech. Mm. And I shot that this week and then last night at Archery League. And my score jumped 50 points. Oh, no shit. Yeah. Have Consistency. You, it, it is. Uh, it's the new technology. You hit the wall and it stops. Yeah. And then you can use your release. Like a, I'm shooting a back tension, a stand gold. Uh-huh. And you can start squeezing your hand and boom. Oh, there you go. Not just compressing and then squeezing and pulling the limbs back further. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. That That's what happens with the old technology. Mm. Um, so, Jay, this would affect you, not so much Adam. We were invited to be on a podcast, another local podcast, called the, the Northern Outcast or The Outcast. 
uh, I'll have to look at it and tell you guys after the break. But uh, I think it would be fun. They they record out in Mercer. They asked us to come. I said, um, just so you know, if we're not running the show, guys, we tend to get loose. He said, <laughs> you guys get loose? Come to our house and drink beers with us. I said, and do it there. I said, you're asking for it, man. You, <laughs> if you don't know, you'll know. You're not trying to, like, kill us and um, <laughs> burst your house. I, I don't know. That's a, I don't know. Whose are these guys? <laughs> I, I, I don't know. I remember when, oh, it's been a couple years. I'm untrustworthy, I guess. We went to, uh, we went to the town and country on Wild Turkey Night. My wife and myself and my stepbrothers and my stepdad. And uh, my wife met them there. She started talking to them and said, Oh, my husband and his buddies do an outdoor podcast. And uh, he just hit me up this week and said, Hey, huh. I talked to one of you guys' wives. I said, That's probably my wife. And uh, so that's, hmm. they want to do that. So probably first week in March or second week of March. Let's go get drunk. Let's go I'll get drunk that. at someone's house and let's do that. Um, it's the Northern Outcasts. Hmm. Have you listened to any of the podcasts? I started to, well, my truck was running while we were ice skating. And I sat in there to get warm a little bit. And uh, They've been doing a, a YouTube channel for quite a while, but hmm. they're, they're only like six episodes in on the podcast side of it. What what kind of content? Um, Is it like an outdoor outdo- show? Outdoors. Oh, awesome. Um, the one this week, their episode is with John Collins. And it's about hunting coyotes. Oh, there you go. And um, they were talking talking with me, and they were like, we're looking to get someone on to talk about ice fishing. I said, oh, I got the guy for you. <laughs> I said, he has horrible, horrible microphone etiquette. But he's an ice fishing fiend. And I said, hit that Shanker J's dude, man. Or Shanker J, man. Yeah. <laughs> you will talk your ear off. You guys don't even have to ask questions. It'll just talk and 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 talk 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 Sometimes I feel like he can talk on the like on his breath in. He's still saying words as he's breathing in. He's figured it out. Like, has he breathed? Does he take breaths? God damn, Jace. It's like that old Tenacious D skit, The Inward Breathing. I'm singing in and I'm singing out. I'm breathing yeah. in and I'm singing out. <laughs> <laughs> That's great. I've mastered inward breathing. <laughs> so um, we haven't talked about tonight's guest at all. Uh, Chris Willens calling back in, man. I cannot wait to talk about this or talk to this dude. He's a uh, he was talking or calling and talk about the amount of people that he's seen out musky fishing now. And uh, since there's more people out musky fishing, just relay a little bit of the the fish handling side of stuff hey he's been hanging out with the the man the myth the legend larry dahlberg no plain chocolate and some other guy named larry dahlberg (laughs) (laughs) yeah right yeah right oh geez no but uh it's um, that would be an amazing time it looks like they're just having a ball out there from all the pictures they posted and things i i had talked to chris this week and they're they were having weather that was really cold and i want to see what those fish do in comparison to like late season fish in Wisconsin do, you know what I mean? I'm going to see if it's different region to region or if they're still the same same fish. Yeah. Yeah, but even though it's, you know, a totally different month. Yeah, it's a totally different month, totally different season, but, you know, it's still cold weather. So I want to see how they adjusted. You know, it, it's just stuff to, to talk about. 
Yeah, I think they were fishing, what, for, was it Virginia or Maryland or or no, it, it might have been Tennessee. Isn't that where he fishes? No, it's Virginia. Okay. Yeah. I, I you know, yeah. there, I know he, he goes to Tennessee usually, Will and Yeah, Will and Tennessee. Does. Yeah. But, but Blaine's home waters in the great state of Virginia. Yeah. Is that the state for lovers or is that West Virginia? Uh, I don't know. So I was talking to Ryan, our, our boy from Queen City Guiding, and he's like, I listen to the podcast while I'm down in my dungeon, my, my fly tying shop. And uh, every time Jay says something and he doesn't remember what it's from, I just want to yell at this. I yell at my phone. I was like, Jay, it's from this. It's from this. <laughs> that's awesome. I, you know, that's something that uh, at least the listeners get. Yeah. You know, that's something awesome that I do, apparently, that can uh, gets him entertained and it gets involved. him into it. Yeah. Yeah. yeah he could yell at, keep yelling at me. You could, you should, Ryan, text me every time I say something stupid like that, then please. Text him so he won't please. respond. Please. Yes. <laughs> I respond to everybody's texts. I know. I'm teasing. Except yours. Except mine. <laughs> so, do we have anything else we want to hit on before, uh, before we get old Chris on the phone? Yeah. I, have, I have one thing I want to hit on, but that's it. What's that? Well, we have to take our break first. No, it's, uh, and we Chris are Will back with Will Fred Durst series. and Fred Durst Guide Company. We did it all for the muskies. <laughs> Mr. Chris yeah. Willen, what's going on, brother? What's going on, man? Not much. It's, you know, freezing Northwoods. That's all that's going on. Oh, it's February weather, man. It's cold everywhere. Yeah. What? Dallas got three inches of snow. Yeah. You know, you know weather's changing. Yeah. I don't feel or bad for them one bit. Shit, we got two. We got a solid two and a half inches of ice the other day. Yeah, but no snow. We no can still snow. see grass. Yeah, it was <laughs> yeah. insane. I mean, it was. I, I, I would have rather taken the ten inches of snow. I bet you would. <laughs> yeah, the my ice? buddies in Tennessee yeah. were telling me about that crazy ice storm. Yeah, it was. Oh, that was awful. Are you getting any snow up there, Chris? Or are you just getting the cold weather? We've got a bunch of snow, and actually, uh, I just got back from Virginia. And we left here. Uh, we actually left um, from Minnesota. And I don't know, somewhere around Illinois, uh, we just hit like a crazy blizzard and drove all night through that to go musky fishing. So sort of uh, comical. Our uh, taxi driver, Josh, just drove the whole time. I, I slept in the backseat through the <laughs> through the craziness. But <laughs> said, I want nothing to do with this. It was terrible, though. I mean, you know, for him, it was fine for me. <laughs> did you guys pull yeah. a boat down? What's that? Did you guys pull a boat down? We did, yeah. And that was uh, pretty interesting when we got there. It was quite uh, just salt and sand and layers of ice. That was it's good. Winter travel, lots of fun. Yeah, I, I bet you had to take, uh, take notes from Deadliest Catch to break the ice. <laughs> Yeah, well, it, it thawed, but it was just like this crusty film that was just on everything for the week. It was good. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Got to run through the blue beacon on the way home. Yeah, well, you know, it was just so cold. It's like, okay, so do we make an ice skating rink or do we have this kind of film that when you step on it, your teeth hurt? 
you know? <laughs> it resonated a bit. Oh, geez. I know what you mean. So, um, hey, we'll get to the uh, the Virginia trip here in just a little bit. But you had you had a little bit of an agenda you wanted to talk about first, right? Yeah, man, I do, I do, and uh, I just think it's you know, let's just get right into it. I just want to talk about like being even more conscious and more uh, aware of fish handling and and all your tools and everything that you have because of COVID nineteen and the influx of anglers. Um, it's it's across the spectrum, guys, from, uh, you know, like, go fast bass fishing guys all the way to uh, a lot of us drift boat guys. You know, I mean, there's just more pressure on every fishery, everywhere you go across the country. Everybody's talking about the same thing. So I just think it's really important that us musky dudes really emphasize the fact that like we all want to catch those bigger fish right well those bigger fish are 20 years old so if you overhandle it when it's 15 it's not making it to 20 you know and a 15 year old muskie's big that's a nice muskie especially on a fly rod especially out of a river that's awesome um you know you're talking about a fish that's for sure exceeding 40 inches and and into that mid 40 inch range and, and maybe even bigger And and that's awesome. But just think, you know, okay, do I want to see this guy again when he's four feet long or when he's 50 inches or 52 inches? And, you know, just one less picture or making sure that you've got, you know, the super long pliers and uh, the right jaw spreaders. And the biggest one of the biggest things that I'm seeing, like. And, and, you know, a lot of us are seeing this just with social media and stuff like that. And it's awesome. Everybody's catching fish. But make sure you've got a big, big, big net. You know, I, too many uh, videos out there of guys kind of jamming muskies in the net. They're maybe half the size of what you want to be using them. Because if they get all bent up, you know, they could break. So uh, I hate to just, like, ramble tons of information. But it's it's really important all this stuff is just, like, super duper important make sure you got the long pliers and and you're getting the, the flies out or whatever the lures whatever it is out of the fish quickly before you take the picture and then when you can when you take the picture it's just like bam gone you know let the fish go because dude you want to catch it again right i mean all you guys want to catch it again <clears throat> yeah so, so like when you put a fish back into the water and like you were just saying just boom let it go like you want to make sure the fish is good to go though do you like ever have like time where you just sit the fish in the water and wait till it's ready to swim away or how do you do that and you know when you're doing that you want to make sure that you're not pulling them back and forth it's just hold them steady hold them upright and she's going to tell you when she wants to go and that extra two or three like pulls on her when she wants to go like just just let her rip let her rip because you know they just fought really hard for they don't know for what right and it exuded all kinds of energy and you know it's just better to get them back quicker and if you're noticing that you're having to hold on to the fish for a really long time before you're letting them go a a lot then that's a sign maybe you need to be just a little bit quicker with your process you know um i was talking about catching you know letting the fish go and catch them again so i personally have guided to this muskie per the same muskie three times 
Um, and it's been miles apart every single time. So that means the fish is just healthily roaming through the system, you know, and I've encountered it three times in the past two years. You know, if we were, and it's a, what's interesting is the first time we caught it, it was 49 inches and that was in August. And a, a customer and I, uh, of mine named Bernie caught it, right? And then in that October, we caught it again, like four, um, it was just under like four and a half miles away from where we caught it the first time. And Asher caught that one and it was way fatter, so much bigger months later, you know, obviously in the fall and bumped that one. And it was 48 and a half inches. And I was like, I didn't even correlate that they were the same fish, right? It was just two super big fish. And at that size, I, I do measure them, you know, when they're, when they're four feet or bigger and it's somebody's PB, which it was both times. It's like, okay, yeah, let's measure this guy really quick, quick measure, let it go. And, you know, all good. It wasn't until later that I realized it was the same fish. Fast forward to the next October, right? So that was 2019. Now, October 2020, Asher's back in the boat. We're miles away from where he caught it the first time, which was miles away from where we caught it the first time. And he hooks up to a big muskie and he's fighting it. And I'm like, man, that is really close to the same size as the fish that you caught almost a year ago to the date, right? Put it in the bag. He takes it out for pictures, 100% same muskie. And it's just like, dude, holy cow. You know, and that's a fish that's upper teens, you know, approaching that maxed out portion of its life here in Wisconsin at that size. Like, you know, a few more years on that fish, and that's probably all it's got, right? So, you know, it's just important to be really careful with that fish. Now, you know, if we weren't as careful with it the first or the second time, you might not have seen it the third time. And, you know, it's a fish of a lifetime, no matter how you slice it up, even if you catch it more than once, right? You know, 30, 30 pound, 30 pound plus muskie. I mean, it's awesome. Yeah. I mean, I was going to say, what, uh, how did you notice that it was the same fish? Did you go back and look at the markings on the fish and just place a certain spot on um, the fish or? Yeah. So the first time we caught it, obviously it was a new, that was a new fish to me. And um, I noticed that it had a distinct scar on its side and its tail was a certain shape. And then most importantly, um, its anal fin was completely shredded up from spawning or, um, you know, otter attack, which happens actually more frequently than you guys might think. Or, you know, fill in the blank, something happened. And so the second time, it was kind of like healed up and, you know, things going on. Guy just catches a giant fish. The last thing I'm thinking is this is the same muskie as before, right? So we just take the pictures, let it go real quick. Everything's all good. High fives. Yeah. And uh, I was looking at the pictures like weeks later and I'm like, man, that might be the same fish. And, you know, we, we determined that it was. And then when we caught it the third time we were joking around because, you know, he'd caught it once before. And as I'm looking at the fish in the net, I'm seeing the scar. I'm seeing the, the um, distinct uh, fin, fin um, wounds and everything. And I'm just like, dude, we're going to have to really compare some pictures later. Cause this might actually, we're joking around about it, but it might actually be. And sure enough, hundred percent was. 
So when you run when you run into a fish that frequently, do you ever joke around and start naming it? You know, I should like uh, I know Blaine and some of those guys in VA have that big ugly fish with like the top of the half of the head or whatever that a few guys have caught around there. Um, you know, maybe I should name it. I mean, maybe I should let Asher name it. He's caught it twice. <laughs> I was gonna say the the first guy that caught it. You said his name was Bernie, right? Yeah, you should name it Kozar. <laughs> I'm a Browns fan, man. Going way back. <laughs> well, I don't think that would fly up here. <laughs> so, yeah, I don't know. Just I know it's like old hat for everybody, and everybody's been hearing that stuff ever since the beginning of probably getting into what you're doing. But it's really important that we just emphasize it more because there's just more pressure. The fish are getting handled more. And the more that we can be aware of their healthiness uh in the boat and in the net is um is just super important and another thing that i wanted to talk about too is uh you know you see some people that bring the net with the fish into the boat i really don't think you should do that um you know it's uh widely uh, across the conventional tackle world that's kind of a thing that you just don't do you leave the fish in the water in the net um you know, it's just important. It keeps the fish breathing. It keeps the fish's slime coat on the fish. It's not rolling around on your carpet or in the bottom of the boat. Um, anytime you're going to lay a fish on anything, even if it's the bump board, you want to make sure it's really, really wet. Um, so, you know, bringing the fish into the into the boat in, with the net and everything, eh, we, try, we should try to avoid that, you know? Yeah, because the nets are kind of like a big rubberized aquarium for them. Just set it off to the side of the boat. Yeah, it's just a big live well for them. And, and you'll notice, like, a lot of times in the river, you know, we're we're in situations where we're in the middle of the river and we catch a fish, or, the, you know, the boat's in the middle of the river, we catch a fish. Well, that's not the ideal place to handle a muskie in a net in the middle of current, right? So we'll slide with the fish in the net to a position where maybe it's a little shallower or less current where – you know, you can get out or you can get out of the current and the fish isn't being rolled up in the bag, you know? And so, you'd, you'd mentioned the bumpers or the bump boards. Are you running yes. one, one of the floating bump boards as well so you can throw it off the side of the boat and measure the fish in the water? So actually, most bump boards will float. They're made out of that, um, whatever that white kind of uh, foamy board is or whatever. Yeah, like the, if, the synthetic decking or something. Yeah, if you put uh, almost every single one that I've ever used, honestly, floated. So if you want to do that, I've done that plenty of times where you just throw them uh, in the water. Actually, in one of the Today's Angler videos that we did with Robbie in the river, um, it was just me and him. And we threw the board in the river and, you know, he just measured it right there uh, with it floating. And it's it's a great way to do it because they're, um, you know, they're staying in the water. Now, is that practical for the guys in the big rangers and Lunds and, and you know, little crafts and all the stuff in the big lakes? No, that's not practical at all. And, of course, they're not going to do that. But if you're in a river, you know, maybe it's something you could do. Um, and, I, and, you know, a lot of times the guys in those bigger boats, you know, you're not dealing with current. So for them to just sit there wherever they catch the fish floating, um, you know, it's no big deal for the fish to just come out really quick, get bumped, you know, quick picture, let it go, blah, blah, blah. Um, but just in the heavy current, you just kind of want to avoid them just being, you know, 
sausaged up in the uh, in the old bag there. So, Chris, are you are you guiding with both fly fishing and gear? And if both, what uh, what are you hooking more muskies with? Um, yeah, I'm definitely doing both. Uh, the guide service, you know, just to stay busy and everything. And I enjoy both. You know, I've I've always enjoyed both. Um, you know, musky fishing is kind of just what I've always done. Um, so just doing doing the conventional stuff is just kind of comes naturally to me as well. Um, I would say it's a toss up, you know, depending on, I do much more fly guiding than conventional guiding. So we catch, you know, I would say probably more fish on flies just cause I'm doing it more. But, you know, if we were doing the gear thing more, I'd probably catch more on that. You know, it's just what you're, whatever you're doing more mm-hmm. and, uh, whatever you have more hours on the water doing is obviously what's going to be the more successful for you. Um, I will say that certain times of the year, um, you know, either or outshines the other thing. And then you kind of have to adapt whatever you're doing with the fly rod to match something that's being hot with, with gear or vice versa, you know, cold fronts and, and late season and stuff like that. When the flies really, really, really shine, um, and you know, you're trying to work glide baits and stuff really slow and let stuff hang like that. Like a fly does. I mean, there's, there's definitely something to be said for doing, doing whatever the situation calls for. Um, and not being restricted to um, some sort of restraint that you that you put upon yourself. You know, if you if it's blowing 25 miles an hour, maybe it's not the best time to be throwing a fly. And you can still go out there and throw some blades or or some rubber and still have a good day and go have some fun. Otherwise, you know, beat yourself up. I guess if that's what you're into. <laughs> hey, Chris, um, I. I haven't done it. I, I don't know conventional gear as well as you do, but I, I, I listen to a lot of podcasts about it. And um, I hear it's quite frequently that they cut hooks to get the lures out of the fish faster. Is that correct? Absolutely. Do you cut hooks in your fly game as well? Or is that something that you practice I, I, doing? Yeah, I have for sure. If you've got a deeply hooked fish, we will cut hooks. Um, sometimes you have to go in from the underside and, and, you know, that's something you got to be real careful with. And, you know, if you're doing it all the time, you should probably um, acquire that skill. But sometimes you got to go through and through the gill and, and cut it because you can't reach down there. And I've, I've had to do that before with flies. But, you know, a lot of times with my flies, we're fishing barbless. Um, you know, it's a personal thing. I let my customers decide I have flies that have barbs and don't, you know. But, but you know, when you're fishing a fly, they do get engulfed pretty deep sometimes. And so that um you know the barbless comes out really easily um otherwise you know honestly i haven't had a really badly uh fly hooked muskie in quite a while um i could think of one couple years ago though that i had to had to do some serious surgery on and uh you know it happens uh it happens across the board whether you're gear fishing fly fishing whatever trolling whatever you're doing i mean occasionally we uh we hook one in a bad spot. It's just being, being quick and, and noticing that, okay, this is a bad spot. Let's, let's just, instead of, you know, screwing around with it for, for a few minutes, let's just get it cut. And ideally you can get the cut piece out as well, but if it's just not going to happen, you know, you can leave that little piece in there and eventually it'll work its way out. And are you, are you fishing? Are you personally trying to fish barbless across the board? Like, I know you do a little bit of smallmouth guiding. Are you trying to fish barbless for smallmouth as well? 
Uh, you know, a, uh, a lot of times with the smaller poppers like Google Bugs and uh, I did really, really well on that Flyman double barrel this year. Like really good. I That was my go-to for sure. It just seemed like it held up a little more than the Boogle. But, um, dude, those big smallmouth, even the, the biggest ones, they get hooked deeply a lot. And fishing a barbless popper is really, really beneficial to your fishery. And I don't think that you lose, you know, as many as you might think, you know, as long as you're keeping constant pressure and everything. And, you know, whatever, if you lose one every now and then, but you don't kill three or four others that day, it's a pretty good deal. So, uh, <laughs> you know, it's definitely barbless with the with the bass poppers. I, I'm, a, I'm a big believer in that. Um for sure. I, I don't know how many times, you know, I mean, you guys do, you guys bass fish a lot where you just reach down there with your finger with the, with the popper and you get to the bend of the hook and pop comes right out. And if it's got a barb, you know, it's not, not quite as easy. Yeah. And, uh, or, or you know, you, and they're yeah. really going too. we're catching a pretty good number of fish in a day. So, you know, you lose a couple, no big deal, but it's more important too. As uh, Larry would say, you know, get that thing off and catch another one. You know, that's kind of, <laughs> you know, you want to, you want to get the fish off as quickly as you can catch them. So you can, you know, get that popper back out there to get another bite. Right. Yeah. With small, fun with small mouth, uh, if you catch one, there's more there. Yeah. And you know, yeah. they and those kind of hooks come out of yourselves easier as well. You know, totally. You hook and, yourself uh, or I end up removing three or four from from customers or from uh myself from them um oh, you know, yeah. every year so it happens so what what's the uh what's the trick do you use the mono loop or what do you do oh yeah i'm a big mono loop guy and i actually will use even braid um heavy musky mm-hmm. braid too yeah we took one out of my dad it was pretty deep this year with the mono loop the first time i've ever seen it done uh real well and chad did a great job and then almost threw up <laughs> he did it and then turned really really white and was like i gotta go i gotta go now. I gotta go. <laughs> the first time uh, i ever saw it i was up in canada and i was attached to a walleye oh no <laughs> yeah that's exactly we it. were uh oh, no. very very far away from our camp and of course we're in those little camp boats right we had like a nine nine and it was like 45 minutes 50 minutes of a boat ride back to our camp and I don't know, we were like 14, 15 years old, something like that. And there was this other camp and we went in there. Long story short, uh, this really super nice, probably 80-something-year-old Canadian guy uh, that lived at the camp did it to my hand and afterwards admitted that he'd never seen it done before. <laughs> <laughs> and to me, I'm like, all right, this guy's, you know, he's seen a few fishing seasons up here. You know what I mean? Like. For sure, he's pulled some hooks out of some people. So I, I went into it just completely like, yeah, man, you you know how to do it, get it out, let's go. They're they're biting pretty good. You know, we gotta, <laughs> gotta go back out there. So he pulled it out. Everything's all good. And then this, uh, I don't know if it's his daughter or what came and made some made us some sandwiches. It ended up being a pretty nice uh, experience, but also hilarious <laughs> that he'd never seen it done before. And uh, one of the other nasty ones I ever saw was Brian. Porter, my buddy Lucky. Yeah, Lucky. We were fishing with his uncle, and his <laughs> uncle sent a whopper plopper, uh, which is a hard bait. Oh, yeah. Two very, very, very sharp treble hooks on it. <laughs> <laughs> 
uh, flying back of the boat at about Mach 17. And it stapled Brian's hand to the oar. <laughs> and I was in the back of the boat. I remember, like, shielding myself as this thing was coming back in. And I just remember looking through a spaghetti worth of, like, bright orange floating line and this thing just like coming through and just it, the the noise it made was really impressive uh, mm. and the shade of purple that his thumbnail turned was also pretty impressive mm. but uh pulled that one out of his hand but but it was funny Ooh. because it hooked him in a way that his hand looked like it was holding the oar still even when he had to slide it <laughs> off the oar because he couldn't open it. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, I'm telling you, you guys throwing those ploppers, uh, fantastic lures, so fun, almost as fun as, as just, you know, eight-weight popper fishing or seven-weight popper fishing, whatever you're using. It's so fun. And, and you, you, you know, you catch smallmouth on them, we catch muskies on them, we catch pike on them. I even had a – Larry and I were just completely – baffled this year uh one of my buddies i took him up fishing with larry on the river and cut a damn walleye on one which was oh, you no, know, larry and i both looked at each other and at the exact same time go well i've never seen that before <laughs> and then and then we just kind of like well that was that was too weird to even talk about so uh <clears throat> anyway those things dangerous they will they will get you you gotta be you gotta be careful another good reason to have some long pliers with you yeah speaking of long pliers and getting back to the proper musky handling techniques, what is a proper list of tools that people should be having in their boats with them while they're out musky fishing just to handle the fish and release them safely? Number one, long pliers, right? Not hemostats, not like, you know, little tiny tools. Like go to the hardware store, spend the $6.99, and get the cheap foot-long needle-nose pliers so you can reach down in there and get way back in there if you need to. No, spend $12 and to get the ones with the bend in them. They're even better. Yeah. The the bend ones are great. The straight yeah. ones, whichever one is anyone for, you know, whatever whatever you can find. But it's just really important that they're stout because you're trying to get, in, in, in most situations, a substantial gauged hook out of a fish. And so why I said no hemos is because most of the hemos that you get, they don't get enough purchase on that bigger gauge of a hook, right? So you're trying to push it out and all you're doing is just the 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 hemo pliers are just bending each way, right? You're not getting anything out of them. Yeah, they're a smaller yeah. gauge and hook normally. Right. So, you know, big big pliers it is really important. Um, there was a tool that was made by Tyrant Tackle and you can sometimes find them. Let me, um, they're very similar to a saltwater D hooker. Um, but it's like, it looks like a small shepherd's hook with a handle and it's about a foot long. And that thing, man, I've popped so many flies out of fish with that thing. I can't even tell you. And you don't get anywhere near them. You hold the line, hit the, hit the hook with the little thing comes right out. And, and that thing is great. Um, and a lot of times the hook's right on there too. So you get it out of the net and you're, you know, you're not having to dig stuff out of the net. So that's really cool. Um, not a necessity, but a, a good thing to have, um, a, a necessity is a jaw spreader, right? And 
you look at some of the Josh betters that you can get and they're not great. You know, what you can do is you can take two of those jaw spreaders and you can electrical tape them together. And then you've got a really serious um, jaw spreader that's a lot harder to get closed. And so when you do use it, it actually will hold the fish's mouth open, especially when you have a bigger muskie. Um, so you can actually do some work on it. Uh, otherwise, you know, sometimes it's really tough to get in there. Um, and you know, we, we didn't go over it, uh, just a second ago, but like what net do you prefer to use and, uh, you know, and size? Sorry, I lost you there for a second. Oh, I said, what net do you prefer to use and the size of it? Um, I'm using the Stowmaster and I'm using that one because the smaller, you know, boats that we run, uh, it's just easier to store. Um, because it does fold in half uh that is a really good one the it's the biggest one they make um man i can't think of the model number right now but if you just look at the website it's north uh i think it's norseman outdoors yeah it's Stone weird Master. yeah um super great super great can't can't say enough good things about it the only thing is with that particular one uh the net I thought I had a sheet here, but I don't. The net that comes with it is a little bit, um, I guess, fragile maybe. It's very thin, but they make a replacement one, uh, unfortunately, that's a little bit more money. And that one kicks ass. Uh, It's super thick and very safe for the fish. Is it easy swap to do? Uh, Fairly easy, yeah. You... Because of that one, it's got a, um, at the top of the hoop, it's got a, uh, a nut and you just unscrew that and the bolt comes out and the net like kind of comes apart right there. And it's real easy to slide the, the netting around the whole thing. Then, uh, if it, if, if you've ever done one that doesn't come apart like that, <laughs> it's, uh, it's like three beers and, you know, some oh, cussing. It's a couple of YouTube man. videos. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, that's important. And then what you touched on, too, with the hook cutters, super important. Um, you know, you're not going to use them quite as much if you're fly fishing, but uh, it's good to have them in case you do need them. Um, and then just, you know, the big net for sure. And then like we talked about with the bump boards, you know, if you a lot of guys carrying those with them, and that's great. To make sure you get it really, really wet, but definitely um, the plier, the long pliers, the mouth spreader, and the hook cutters, and then if you can find it, the uh, the the shepherd's hook deal, all super super good stuff to have, so you can be quick to get the hooks out of that fish and get it going again. So, um, what what would be a perfect scenario from from hook set to a fish release? What what are you looking for? And um, generally, you know, we're we're getting them in the in the bag pretty quick. Um, you know, a musky fight isn't longer than a couple minutes usually. And uh, after that, you know, I just I'm really really think it's important to try to get the hook out of the fish before you try to pull it out of the bag, um, just in case which happens. You know, somewhat regularly every. I don't know, maybe one in every dozen, 
that you catch is going to go nuts when you, when you grab it. And it's nice if you get a quick picture and it's going nuts and you can kind of just whoop over the side of the boat. Cause if they're going nuts, they probably don't need to be revived. Mm-hmm. So you just get in the Albi launch. <laughs> yeah. Not, I mean, not a launch, but, but you know, just so it doesn't end up in the boat. Yeah. Rather than hitting the floor of the boat. Yeah. You know, that's important. That's, that's a big thing to notice too. Like, I've had many, many fish where you pull them out of the net and it's just like, oh man, this thing's going to go nuts. Like either put it back or get ready to just let it go real fast. You know, you can tell, you can feel when they're, when they're tensing up and about to just lose it. Can you tell as someone that's not holding them? Like as, I mean, the fisherman is holding the fish, right? And you're just kind of standing there as a bystander getting ready to take a picture for them. Can you tell when they're getting ready to go nuts? Yeah, you can see it. You can see them start to like coil. Yeah. And if I've got somebody that hasn't handled a lot of them or if it's their first muskie or, you know, it's a really big one or, you know, the situation calls for it, we just do it where, you know, I'm usually prepared to get out of the boat, whether I'm wearing waders or tall boots. And I can get that fish over the side of the boat with them holding it and do it in a safe way if I feel like, you know, we might not be uh, might not be up to snuff with the handling. Okay, here's a stupid question for you. We just asked Pogo the other day. You wear waders a lot. Do you prefer uh, do, do you prefer gold bond med- for it? Do you prefer gold bond medicated or original? <laughs> <laughs> not not the medicated. Oh, that's the best. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you know, most of the time I, I'd like to not be wearing them, but. If it's really raining or, you know, if it's that time of year in the fall, they're nice. Yeah, the, they work as great rain pants. Yeah, heck yeah, especially if you're the guy sitting all day. I mean, you know, you're sitting in the rower seat the whole time. Your ass is getting wet. If you're yeah, absolutely. <laughs> so, hey, Chris, there's... Like you said, COVID's around. A lot of people are looking to musky fish as the new, the new greatest, latest thing to do. And a lot of those people don't have experience handling these fish. What, what's the best way to go about learning to handle the fish? Is it just get down there and get it, get your hands dirty, or watch YouTube videos of people like Pete Mania doing it, holding musky mounts? Or what's the best way for someone to learn? All that stuff's a good idea. You know, educate yourself as much as possible and just know like, okay, maybe if you're new to it, then you don't need to um, maybe get into the gill plate hold. You can kind of just do the cradle hold or you can just kind of hold its tail and support its belly. Um, One thing that I see people do that it's kind of funny to think about, but um, when you take them out of the net and you're moving really fast, that sometimes freaks them out. Like if you grab it out of the net and you stand up super, super fast and you whip to the side really quick to to look at your buddy, like that motion can be done just a little bit more fluid and a little more slowly. If you start like ripping them around, (laughs) it sounds funny, but they, they don't like that. You know, I don't don't know if it's their equilibrium or or whatever the deal is or they, but they just don't like being whipped around like that. Uh, I've seen that time and time again. So slow, easy motions with it it's good to have 
a backup plan, right? Like, okay, so if this thing freaks out, I've got a clear shot to the left or a clear shot to the right to just dump it back in the lake or the river. Um, you know, a glove's not a bad idea, even just if you're just going to tail grab it just to get a better hold on it. Um, they, they, they are sometimes hard to hold, especially if they're a little bit, um, you know, like under that like 40 inch range, sometimes those smaller fish can just really freak out. And those are usually the ones that cut you. Uh, I get cut all the time. Um, if you've been in my boat, uh, it's sort of an ongoing joke that literally every single one gets gets some blood out of me. So that's kind of funny. As they should. Blood in, blood out. <laughs> yeah, why not? I'm not mad about it. I still don't put a glove on, you know. But, uh, yeah, you know, just being aware and being conscious of what's going on with the fish, you know. If the water temperature is a little too warm and you're already concerned just maybe just hold it in the water and get a picture, you know, like you don't need to do the standard one that we usually do. Um, or, you know, maybe if it's a juvenile fish and you're just like, Hey, I've, you know, I've got a bunch of pictures of 35 inches. Like I don't, I don't need to just stress the heck out of this one. I'd like to see it when it's, you know, twice this age, the, the less you mess with them, the better, you know, and if you're fishing, your favorite fishery, you know, whatever your river, your creek, your lake, whatever it is, those are your muskies and your responsibility to take care of them because that's the fish that you're fishing for, you know? Yeah, they, so, could, they could end up with an opportunity like like you did with Kozar. Yeah, you know, <laughs> not, definitely not calling them that. But, uh, <laughs> but you know, it's just it's just important. And, and once you kind of take that point of view at it and take a little bit of ownership of the fish, then it's just, it, it means more to you, you know? When you, when you start thinking of it as like, yeah, these are our muskies. These are the muskies that we fish for. These are important to us, you know? These are the reason why, you know, whatever it is for you, whether it's smallmouth, muskies, whatever it is, you know, just be careful with them, be cautious, and be aware. In, in these particular times where we've got a hundred to 150 percent increase in license sales in a bunch of the states that i fish and a bunch of the states that you guys fish it's something to be aware of you know another thing to be aware of too you know which is boring to talk about but if you're ice fishing or if you're a pan fisherman or whatever you know the regulations aren't set up for these numbers of anglers so if it's 25 bluegills in a day that's set up for x amount of anglers right well we've got X to the Y amount of anglers right now. There's just so many more new people getting into it and other people that are getting back into it, rediscovering it, or just, you know, dusting the old stuff off and getting back out there. Well, if all those people are keeping those, those limits of panfish, then your pyramid is going to flatten out, right? Yeah. When you've got crappies, bluegills, perch, all that stuff at the bottom. And as you move up, bass, pike, blah, 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 muskies all the way at the top. Well, if you start cutting all the food source out of everything, it's going to affect everything in that pyramid, right? So sure. just something to be aware of. You know, if you're an avid ice fisherman, like a lot of my buddies are, I, you know, I honestly don't do it as much as maybe I should, but I, I try to have a couple fish fries every winter. I only had one this year, but, you know, and that's all well and good and that's great. You know, and, you know, everybody's got the right to do that, but it's just, you know, maybe don't 
you know, fill the freezer all the way up with, with fillets and let them get freezer burnt and chuck them and maybe not feel as bad about it as you used to or, or whatever. But, you know, it's just something that we all need to be aware of right now with the influx of everything going on. That, for our sake, you know, oh, for our sake, these, nobody eats shad or suckers. Thank gosh, right? <laughs> I mean, you know, they don't eat the shad and the suckers, though. Well, some people do. <laughs> so, yeah, you're right. You're right. We we but did it, have a fish fry. It's just something to be aware of, and you know, just kind of having the back of your head when you're fishing, like you know, things are things aren't as they were, and uh, and the more that we get on top of it early, uh, then we won't have gaps in year classes, and you know, be wondering where, you know, the fill in the blank size fish are that we aren't seeing in a few years right no absolutely that that's totally right because uh i got out ice fishing last week for the first time in probably four years and i couldn't believe the amount of shanties we saw around the lake and i never it never dawned on me to uh, about what you're talking about yeah i mean i mean we only kept four five fish but it you know that added up to the the amount of shanties that were across that lake. It, oh, absolutely. Even in our area, I since like you said, with the COVID, you know, you see more people in the outdoors, period. Like I've never seen I even go to the mountains and just, just to sightsee myself or with the family. You know, you don't see you see tons of people out. You never would see anybody, you know, five five years ago. You would have been by yourself. Now you see tons of people out, cars around everywhere and yeah, it's just it, you're definitely right in the sense that people are out and, you know, more and more people are out and the information needs spread throughout more. Yeah. And, you know, that goes for everything. You're out hiking. It's even more important now to take care of your trash, take care mm-hmm. of all your stuff that you're doing. You know, same thing at the boat landings. You know, there was an influx of <laughs> bush light and, you know, <laughs> shit like that at the Amen. boat landings this year. And, it, you know, I can't tell you how many times I filled up my anchor bucket with somebody else's beer cans. So it's just, you know, it, it sucks everything that's going on. And I know that this isn't a life or death thing. Like, like some other things are that's going on right now, but it's just, you know, in a few years, hopefully everything gets back to normal and we don't want to have these missing year classes and be, you know, kind of wishing that we had thought about it a little bit more. And I know that, you know, the fly fishermen, is probably not the one that you need to uh, convince of that. But the more aware that, that all of us are and the more that, you know, the guy that's at the boat landing that is filling up his anchor bucket full of beers, empty beer cans, and and filling the blank, you know, it's just the better off that we're all going to be. And, and our rivers are going to be taken care of when this is all over. And, you know, <clears throat> fingers crossed that, you know, it gets back to a little bit of normalcy where, you know, our little special spots are become our special areas again. And, and, you know, they're not flooded with styrofoam coolers and, and, you know, missing year classes from dead fish. (laughs) Hey, Chris, love it or hate it. I'm still picking all the chicken of the woods, no matter how many people are in the woods. (laughs) Hey man, that is fair game. That stuff spoils so fast. So you see that stuff, it's yours. I I know you dig them. That's why I brought that up. Oh, yeah, dude. Every time I see it, I'm picking it up. And most of my customers, uh, you know, when they're with me, when we get it, they they end up going home with a bag full also. Everybody loves it. I just, uh, one of my buddies, 
Well, I gave a huge bag full. Just said he finished up his uh, his stash for the uh, the winter, and you know, it's funny you brought that up. He just brought that up a day ago. You know what? <clears throat> Last week when we went ice fishing, we were eating sheep's head with sausage, and it was the best sheep's head I had all year. Oh, yeah. That's that's, that's what ice fishing's all about, man. Yeah, man. And when I go anywhere, you take Smash. it. What you you pick them in October? <laughs> October is a good time for sheep's head, right? For us or for Chris? Oh, I mean for us, it'd be October, November. Yeah. Okay. You know, I've never found any. Um, and honestly, the chicken of the woods that I find most regularly is when I'm working and I'm floating down the river, hmm. and it's so uh, it's such an eye-catching color, mm-hmm. and kind of when you're condition to look for that color uh it just pops out and you know we just see it growing across um you know on some some wood and stuff along the riverbanks and that's that's where i find mine so i don't really uh and you have to hunt too hard for it i'm kind of spoiled your clients don't mind if you pull over and just not not usually no uh most of them are kind of into it you know it, it doesn't take more than a couple seconds and if you've been a uh, customer in my boat, you know that most of the time I'm working you pretty hard. We are casting a lot, and we're casting at, uh, if I caught a muskie in a spot many years ago, I'm like, oh, you never know. It could be there again. We're going to try that spot, too. <laughs> so, uh, you know, basically what I'm getting at is a uh, couple-minute break on the arm. I don't think anybody in my boat's going to complain about it. So, Chad, your mushrooms, are you dehydrating or freezing? Uh, Jace did it, and he did not dehydrate them. He just froze them. Froze them. All right. That's I've, all we were doing with the chicken of the woods that I was giving away. We we're just freezing it. I don't have a dehydrator, so works pretty good. Mushrooms freeze pretty good. Yeah, I have one. I just don't use it. Yeah, that's what we have frozen um, sheep's head in the freezer right now. Chicken of the woods. I think we ate all that. Yeah. As you should. They yeah. should go down right away. <laughs> So, Chris, speaking of that, speaking of you working your guys hard, how do you keep the mood light in a in a boat all day when you're with someone musky fishing? Uh, you know, it just depends on on the person, right? You kind of got to read them and see what kind of jokes they're going to be tolerant of. And uh, <laughs> you don't ever get as far as we do. Uh, no, not not as far as you, uh, sick sick bastards. But uh, <laughs> you know. The it's it, it's a good time, man. And most of the people know that I'm just cracking jokes almost the entire time, whilst telling them uh, that it's you know going to happen in the next spot, and I'm, I'm positive it is. And uh, when it doesn't, I'm real positive about the next one. <laughs> so, so you know, you it's not- just staying upbeat. And I had uh, one of our, you guys probably know him, um, Paulie on the from the film tour. Uh, when we were doing our film tour video, we we had some tough fishing for the first few days. We ended up having a five fish day the last day and kind of saving the whole deal. But we were having like one or two shots a day and we weren't getting it done uh, for the first like three or four days. I don't even remember how many it was, but the last day was killer. But he was just like, and I, every time I'd be like, all right, man, you missed that one. But let's, you know, this is what we're going to do. This is what you got to do. We're going to go to the next spot. It's going to get it done. We're going to get it. Let's do it. And he was just like laughing about, you know, they're coming off their Alaska guide season, right? Which is uh, a little bit easier fishing than <laughs> e-guiding. And you don't say. They're laughing 
It's like, dude, you guys have to be, you know, Brian's there, uh, Timmy was there, you know, we got the whole crew. And uh, all of us kind of have the same upbeat attitude in the fall when we're guiding together. Like, you know, misses are going to happen. Fishless days are going to happen. You know, missed opportunities are all going to happen. And all of it just kind of becomes, you get a little bit jaded to it. And it's just like, all right, well, that one's over next one. Let's go. Let's get it done. And they were just laughing about how kind of positive we all were with the uh, with the mantra. And it's just like, I don't know, with musky fishing, there's really no other way to be. You just kind of have to, you're only as good as your next cast, you know, so then make, make it good. So when you wake up every morning, you know, you're, you have the attitude you're going to bring that guy's personal best or, if, you know, 50 for you guys uh, in them areas, a 50-inch musky into the boat, huh? Well, yeah, it just depends on the person. Sometimes it's like, yeah, there's no fucking way this is happening. <laughs> <laughs> oh, jeez. Well, hey, hey, bud, you want to throw a whopper plopper? But, saying, whopper but, plopper but your attitude, but your attitude is it's going to happen, right? <laughs> I'm just kidding. It, I'm it just always kidding. seems like your attitude is it will happen. You know, it can, man, and it really and it and it's every day is a new opportunity and a new day. And I, I was totally kidding around, but. You know, one of the biggest muskies that I ever got it to, I'm looking at a picture of it right now, it's hanging on the wall in my tying room here, was a guy that caught a 48 and three-quarter incher on the fly that was just so massively late October fat. It was insane. And that was the first fish of any kind that that guy had caught on a fly rod before. And he just comes out of the gate with a freaking beast. So you just never know, man. You never know. You know, the guy that, that you're just teaching how to cask and he could put it in front of a fish like that and the fish could eat. And then you could have a guy that's incredible, you know, lacing it between trees and, and tucking it up underneath brush and doing all the, the crazy stuff that, you know, you do with your buddies and you, with your guide buddies when you're fishing. And, and, you know, he's not getting hit. And it's just like that happens often than not. And <clears throat> Dahlberg in his system has the ultimate explanation for that and you know it really holds true more often than it doesn't but it's the odds of you catching a big fish is directly proportionate to how much you deserve it and it's not in the proportion that you may think you know is that why larry always catches big ones Larry catches big ones because he's Larry fucking Dahlberg. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Who? What? Absolutely. That guy. Jeez. Oh, what a legend. So you have your own tying room. Yeah, I do. I'm How? real lucky in that regard. It's uh, it's my, my own creative space slash uh, bunkhouse for the, uh, for the wayward angler and uh, customer when they're in town. Oh, awesome. How often do you get to go to Larry's? Uh, pretty regularly, especially right now where um, he's helping me working on a bait right now that I'm, I'm trying to get going on. So uh, I'm there a lot. So, mm. dude, that that's some place like that. That's like Mecca for us. Yeah, you know like what I mean? How do you just are you just like you and Larry, Larry and you go fishing? It's got to be like you guys are just oh, it's just two buddies fishing. It's like me calling up Chad like, hey, dickhead, you want to go fishing, right? <laughs> or is it just still like master mentor type of? I, I how's that go? Jeez, you're so lucky. Yeah. Lucky you, man. He calls, he calls me dickhead pretty regularly. Okay, there you go. All right, there you go. Awesome, amazing. Yeah, no, I mean, super lucky to be able to um, be taught things by that guy, and uh, 
you know, we've been fishing together for quite a uh, few years now. And, and, you know, it's just a lot of fun. We've been going on trips here and, and every single time, you know, it, it's, it's just cool to watch him do his thing. You know, this last trip we went to Virginia, we went and fished a bunch of water that we hadn't fished before. Um, went by ourselves, you know, Blaine was busy guiding and doing other things for some of the days we were there. We were there for weeks. So, we went and did some other stuff and it was just cool watching him picking apart stuff and just seeing how he does it. And, you know, it, it, and it, and it makes the way that, that I would approach things much better. I can without a doubt become a better fisherman and a better fishing guide um, because of a lot of his, his tutelage and stuff like that. And it's just cool, man. You know, I mean, the guy has just seen a lot of scenarios and stuff like that. And more than anything, it's just, time on the water and the amount of time that he's put in doing the type of fishing that that i really hold in high regard you know the warm water stuff the smallmouth and the and the, and specifically the musky you know he's been musky fishing since he was a little little kid when he had to row his dad around you know now he's 72 so it's a lot of years of of long days casting at muskies you know and and uh just doing different things that you might not think to try to get to a different end. Um, maybe the thing that you're doing isn't the thing that you're trying to accomplish, but it's going to be, you know, you're going to gather information from that to then apply to something else. And that's the kind of stuff that, that really is just crazy, crazy invaluable learning from, from a guy like that. And I'm, I'm really, really lucky for sure. So you've been fishing with him for, for long enough now um on this last trip to virginia and the weather conditions being what they were did you learn his learn anything new from his um approach to the muskies that you hadn't seen him pull out before? yeah absolutely um you know and and it, it goes back to december even up here because they changed the laws up in the Northwoods where we were allowed to muskie fish through december so we were even doing it up here and, and learning because we'd never been allowed to do that before. I'd never been able to musky fish in 33 degree water temperature. So it was pretty cool, um, you know, dodging icebergs and stuff. And, <laughs> and, uh, and just, and, and for, you know, the guide thing, absolutely not. I mean, there's just no way that, that I could, uh, go and take somebody out and do that because you can only fish for a couple hours and it was real, real uh, specific areas. And, you know, you just couldn't make a whole day out of it. But, but as far as a learning thing, um, it was really cool. And just, and just seeing how much more you had to slow down and really meticulously pick stuff apart and, and make sure you're getting stuff in front of them because in that type of water temperature, they're not going to move very far, you know, and uh, <laughs> you, you realize it really quickly when you're going to release that fish and you stick your hand in the water holding their tail and you're like, man, I don't want to be here long. You know, I mean, it's it's cold and, uh, you know, it's just cool seeing seeing how that stuff goes and, and flies uh, work really good in that temperature because you can cover it and let it sit there. Um if you guys keep up on Blaine's ever-changing game changer platform, uh, he's got that new hover changer that, you know, he's got that tying class going on uh, real soon here. 
Um, but that fly is super important in that type of situation because it is so neutrally buoyant that once you get it down to wherever you want it to with your line, it's going to stay in that zone and you're, you know, you're showing it to that fish in that area, but you're still, you know, you got to get it to them and you got to show it to them and, and maybe a little bit closer than you might think, uh, because of that water temperature. And, uh, one of the last fish, um, that I caught up here in December, I was with my buddy, Michael and, uh, we were fishing just one pool and it, it was just like, okay, we, we did like a bunch of passes up and down it, up and down it made, you know, covered it. I don't know. I don't know how much better you could have covered the water. And it was just like, man, this, this is the best spot. This is the best spot to be on this, in this chunk of water that we have access to today. This is the very best spot. And this is where we need to be. And sometimes you got to go with your, with your fish bone on that, right? Whatever feeling you're getting, you're like, okay, this is where I need to be. And, you know, on one of the later passes in that afternoon, we got bit and he caught a really big muskie. And, you know, if we would have moved or, or something, uh, you know, we, we wouldn't have caught that fish. And, and it's just because of that water temperature. And it was just, you know, maybe that cast was a foot left of all the other ones. Right. And it just, went right past her face in just the most perfect spot and she smashed it. And, you know, that's just something that you have to be aware of in that type of water because it just, they're not, it's not, it's not as aggressive as you might, as you might think um, from fishing the fish the rest of the season. And with the water temperature, um, you guys are dropping down size of flies. You're probably not throwing 14 inch flies. You're probably throwing what, eight inch flies or so. Well, that just is a, a a myth. That's just a myth. We shouldn't do that. School of thought thing, you know. Blaine's big on that. Actually, he's downsizing a little bit. Um, another school of thought is, you know, give him one big giant meal and make it worth it for him to move. Uh, I think that scenario, thirty-three degree water temperatures, throwing the biggest, biggest, biggest stuff you have, um, may not behoove you. Um, you know, maybe throwing something that's a little bit easier for him to grab, maybe. Uh, really, I don't know. You know, it, uh, it's hard to be so confident in, in that type of a statement when uh, my experience with it is, is, is somewhat limited. All the years I spent guiding in the wintertime in Tennessee and stuff like that, we weren't we weren't dealing with that type of water temperature. Uh, and with the water temperature being so cold, do you find it being very clear? And are you throwing, you know, a certain maybe color or things of that sort in comparison to like the tannic water up north? Yeah, well, that that's for sure, um, you know, uh, a consideration, water clarity, colors, stuff like that. Up here, you know, to be 100% honest with you, I don't think it matters as much as people might think in our dirty water. Um, and then I think in that super gin clear water, uh, it, it might matter a little bit more. You might not see uh, fish reacting as well to other colors as, as well as they would react to something maybe more natural or, or you know, <laughs> I've seen bright ass hurt your eyes chartreuse really light them up oh, in yeah. clear water on a sunny day. So it's just kind of what you're confident in. And, and I always go back to that when people get in my boat. And they want to know what color or, or they they're hitting me up before their trip. 
and they want to know what color flies to tie. It's like whatever color that you're super confident in fishing and that you're going to fish that fly the way that it needs to be fished because you're confident in it, then that's good. If you're not confident at all in a purple fly and I give you a purple fly and you're just kind of stripping it in like, yeah, this purple piece of shit isn't going to work at all. In the words of Tommy Lynch, you're pulling color. Yeah. Yeah. Pull, pull the color. So it's pulling color. You know, for me, it's no secret. Uh, I really like yellow, white with a little bit of black on it. Like really like that. Really like how it looks in my water. Um, and to be honest with you, I've done really well everywhere that I fished for muskies um, on that color. So for me, it's a confidence thing, right? So, I put that fly on and I fish it right. And if I have, if I'm guiding somebody, it's easier for me to do those extra oar strokes to see those extra couple casts into that spot when I've got something on that I'm confident in. So we know you're double nickel. It's a bucktail fly, right? Yep. Yeah. When you go to Virginia to fish with Blaine, does he peer pressure you to fish the, uh, the changers? <laughs> I wouldn't call it peer pressure. <laughs> uh, all the he cool kids are doing it, Chris. Yeah, take come on, me man. Where they're at until I put his fly on, you know. <laughs> no, I've caught, I've caught plenty of fish down there on the double nickel, and and other patterns too. Um, but you know, here's the thing: is when you're fishing with a local guide, wherever it is, and they're saying like, "Hey, this is the fly that that's been working really good, and here's why." Then for me, it's a no-brainer. It's not like I'm going to argue with them because I want to fish a fly that I tied. I, you know, and and to be honest with you, uh, I'm never going to turn down a, a a fly that Blaine tied that he wants to put on. Um, yeah, yeah. Put that thing on and forget that you did. Yeah, uh, yeah exactly. I'm going to take that home <laughs> with me after we're done. Yeah, I don't know about that. Uh... <laughs> I caught a 50 incher once with Blaine on a fly that he had tied like the day before. He'd never even casted it. And I got a 50 on it with him. And I was like, hey, I don't even like, there's not even going to be any argument. This is mine now. <laughs> <laughs> I'm way bigger than you, Blaine. I'm taking it. And, you know, we just <laughs> laughed about it or whatever. And yeah, I'm, I mean, it's sitting right here in my bedroom. And it's mine. <laughs> so what, yeah, I mean, I'm, I don't want to, you know, we're not all measuring inches here, but what is your personal best being a musky guide on the fly? Uh, my biggest one that I've personally caught on the fly is right at 50 inches, and that was with Blaine. Okay. Um, the biggest one that I've guided to on the fly is 52 inches. Mm. And That's the biggest it? one that I've ever Damn. caught personally is 53 and a half inches, and I caught that on conventional tackle on Lake St. Clair. Um, fishing with my buddy Josh from back home. There you awesome, go, man. man. But, speaking of that, that brings me to something real quick. Being a musky guide, you're, that's your job. That's how much. That's how you pay your bills. How often do you get to get out with your friends and just do like a buddy's day? Uh, man, it, it, during during like peak season, not at all. You know, um, but but during during the year, Larry and I fish together quite a bit. Um, I'll drive up and we'll go stay at his cabin for a couple of days or, or go do stuff like that. And I'll get some good days in the water. Um, you know, but I really treasure and look forward to seeing and fishing with guys that, that I don't get to do that as with, with as much. Um, 
Last year, I got to spend a couple days smallmouth fishing with Schultze. I, I really enjoyed that. Uh, this this winter here, I think it was in December, I got to spend uh, a day in the boat with Eric Grauski, one of my really good buddies. And I used to fish with him a lot uh, when I worked for Schulte. We would fish together almost every Wednesday. And Great guy. So we spent, you know, I don't even know how many days in the boat together. And we hadn't done that in years. And we went out and had an absolutely fantastic day eric's so dialed in on what he's doing we caught 10 muskies we caught nine of them on flies what? and he caught one of them on a swim bait so that was ridiculous <laughs> uh 10 fish day with my buddy i'll, I'll you know I've, I've had some pretty serious number days with eric and i've had some pretty serious big fish days with eric um we've had some pretty fun canadian trips together um with him and his brother matt and Eric and his other brother, Mark, have come up here and we've gone, you know, fishing up in my neighborhood and uh, love those guys so much. And, you know, don't get to see them. So uh, that was really, really special to me this year. And of course, you know, when you put up a double digit musky day, it's it's just uh, <laughs> what else can you say about it? We had a good day. It was fun. No, man, there's nothing better than that. That's <sighs> so that was cool. And then uh, two trips to Virginia this year. Um, Larry and I went out there two different times with, uh, with our buddy, Josh, uh, the guy that used to own, own Thorn brothers. Um, so okay. no stranger to muskie has been in the muskie owned, owned Thorn brothers, which is one of the, you know, why the most widely known muskie shops for, he owned it for 20 years. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, super fun, fun guy to hang out with and, and also very knowledgeable. Um, and no stranger to the muskies and, uh, you know, started hanging out with him via Larry so we, we all went out to Virginia uh, twice this year, so got to spend uh, just over two weeks out there or whatever, and, and it, just a super, super good time, and Blaine fished with us uh, a good number the first trip out, and then the, the last trip out, he only spent about a half day with us, but we did end up getting, you know, two absolutely giant muskies when he was in the boat, shocker. So uh, that was pretty <laughs> awesome. And then, uh, yeah, I know, long of the short of it is, is uh, I do all right, man. You know, I get around, and get to see my buddies and um a lot of my customers too are really good friends of mine you know i've been i've been doing this for 10 years now so some of these guys have been with me the whole time and i, I really look forward to seeing them and um more than anything like seeing them progress you know some of my guys that i taught how to muskie fish they caught their first muskies ever with me and then we go out and it's just like fishing with a buddy now where i don't have to be on them the whole time it's just they know the drill we're going out there, we're shooting the shit and telling stupid stories in between spots. And, and, you know, we get into the zone and, you know, it just not much is said. And that's kind of cool too. Yeah. That's actually mm-hmm. really cool. Um, when you just get into a groove like that with people and, you know, I've got a handful of guys that I, I can do that with and they come and stay at the house and we go get after it for three, four five days, whatever it is. And, and it's cool, man. It's a rhythm. And it's like, a, you know, I'm not a musical guy. Uh, but I imagine it's like playing in a band, you know, like you got the drummer, you got the guitar player and you got the bass player and everybody's working in, in unison, right? They know what's going on. I sort of feel like that, you know, in the boat, you got the guy rolling the boat and you got my two guys and we all know the same thing. And it's cool to see the machine in motion, you know, and, and, and go out there and get it done. It's kind of like when fish is going off and playing 30 minutes of a shitty song. <laughs> yeah yeah that's my whole guide trip just yeah a really shitty song a really shitty fish song <laughs> <laughs> hopefully not fish 
Yeah, man. No, so it's cool, man. You know, and, and uh, I just, it's my thing, dude. Muskie fishing, it, it's, it's just all I really want to do. Um, so guiding is, it's, it's not like some days it's work for sure, but I mean, most of the time it's just like, let's go do this. Like, this is what I want to be doing, you know? And, and for most of the season, I'm doing it where I want to be. Like, you can't take me away from here. This is where I want to be. You know, I've missed countless weddings and all kinds of crazy stuff because people just <laughs> schedule things in October. What the hell are they? <laughs> <laughs> Idiots. <laughs> so, you know, and uh, Larry talks about it too. You know, he's been all over the world, obviously done way more traveling. I've, I've never even left the country. But, uh, you know, it's just, there's no place like home, you know, and it's kind of funny to say, but, you know, chasing muskies is important to me. And that, and that's just what it is. And it's just, it, it's a different, it hits different than everything else. You know, it's just what I want to do. And it's kind of like when I'm not doing it, I, I feel stagnant, you know? Hey, I got a dumb question for you, Chris. This is like way off topic. I'm, I'm a diesel mechanic by, by trade. And I can foresee myself doing this for another 15 or 20 years, maybe before my body just gives out. How long do you think you can guide muskies? I think a long time. Um, you think I think maybe my tactics will change in the next few years. I've been doing the drift boat thing for a long time and, and that's all well and good, but I worked a lot of days this year and I can tell you at the end of the season, my body was hurting a little bit. And so it was just like, you know, just in, in, in the interest of longevity, I think maybe something with a trolling motor is definitely in my future. My toey, I, I got a little bit out of that and it's got a trolling motor, but you know, just, just to maybe do a couple less days a week in the drift boat and a couple days a week into that, I think would really give me a lot more longevity and, and that's something to think about. And, uh, yeah, I mean, I don't know. I'm not done. I can tell you that. Oh no, I, I definitely hear you, man. I, I commend you and I, I want to do it myself as well, but I just wanted to know how like physically taxing it was because as of right now, I'm, I'm look like I play bloody knuckles with Jason across the table from me with stupid diesel mechanic. Yeah. I'm yeah. Glad you, you, I'm glad that I was younger when I did the uh, camper years, you know, uh, I look back and think, man, could I just go seven years right now living in a camper? And I, just, <laughs> I don't know, man. So I'm glad all that stuff's in the past and uh, <laughs> someday I'll have to write it down. I mean, there was, there was a lot of crazy shit that happened uh, remember, in the camper years. Yeah. yeah I remember we, when we met you personally in Tennessee, I think you were, uh, it was in the, it was, it had to be in the camper years. That's been quite a while for us now. It's been like four years, right? Sure. Yeah. Yeah. I think I we flew past your camper. Yeah. <laughs> yep. Yep. Yeah, I mean, and you know, the, the beautiful place to fish down there. Oh, but yeah, I mean, that's oh, God bless you for living those years. Yeah, it was fun. You know, it was a lot of fun. Um, at first, it was a, a, it was an adventure. You know, it was crazy fun the first couple of years, and then the sort of novelty wore off, and the problems of living in a small space in a camper where shit breaks constantly because everything's made of plastic and, uh, you know, it, it, it caught up, but yeah, it was, it was cool, man. It was fun and definitely interesting. And, uh, when you're living in a situation like that, there's not a lot of like hanging out at home. So 
I think it forced me to be on, not forced me because I wanted to be there anyway, but there was a lot less like down days just because there's absolutely nothing to do when you're sitting in a 20 foot box, you know? And I know when we visited Tennessee, we had a run in with, uh, Chad was a little lifted and he had to, he was a little afraid of the coons. Uh, they were, they were rummaging down there. Uh, you had a funny story when we were off the air about the Tennessee coons and you have a vendetta against them. You got to tell us about that, Chris. Yeah. So a couple years ago, I make my pilgrimage down and, uh, for some reason it took me a lot longer to get down there than it normally would because inclement weather or, or uh, further north or what it was. But anyway, I get down to the campground where I had been storing my camper, a super nice uh, older Tennessee gentleman was just super awesome and and stored my camper for me literally on site. I didn't even have to move it when I was done. Uh, as you can imagine, he was not the busiest of campgrounds. But, uh, <laughs> so he's so keeping a really good there, eye on it. It's, it's dark, like dark, dark, middle of the Tennessee woods, dark. Oh, yeah. And I'm like, all right, well, I'm going to go to sleep. I'm exhausted. I've been driving for like 15 hours, like ready to just pass out and and deal with the day in and, and a few hours, you know. And I go into my camper, and the very first thing that I noticed was the awful smell that had just molly whopped me in the face <laughs> as soon as I walked through the front door. And I was just like, my God, what is going on in here? What died? Where is it? And what's eating it? You know, because there was just like a shit smell mixed with like a rotting smell mixed with like a piss smell. Uh, it smelled a lot like my buddy's dorm room. Mine has the semen in the socks. Yeah. So it was terrible. So. You know, and it's midnight. And I mean, I got, I'm 40 minutes away from Walmart, you know, and so, and I got a boat with me and a completely full, couldn't fit another thing in there if I wanted to truck because I'm moving everything that I own from one camper to another for, you know, half the year, essentially. So I quickly unload everything. And just leave it like in the driveway of the, <laughs> of my little stall area. <laughs> Drive to Walmart, buy like multiple hundreds of dollars worth of cleaning supplies and <laughs> a carpet cleaner and a twenty-two a pistol. <laughs> I, I had the pistol, and uh, <laughs> so and then I like realized that I already had a vacuum that I bought last year, but I did not remember, so I had two vacuums and uh, if anybody's ever spent time living in a camper uh space is precious and there's certainly not room for two vacuums <laughs> so do you do you craigslist the uh the first vacuum no i uh <laughs> sold it for drugs in the streets <laughs> but, yes, no, yes exactly i actually still have it it's it's the bat the vacuum that i have here in my tying zone. So it's just like full of flashaboo and brush making wire. And any day it's going to start on fire to get back at me for all the horrible names. I called it when I realized that I had two. But, uh, so I went back to the camper and I spent hours and hours and hours cleaning, got all the upholstery stuff that I could remove 
out of there, including the brand new mattress that I bought before I left that looked like a, you know, <laughs> child's mattress or, you know, my buddy's mattress from college. But, uh, <laughs> yeah, it was, it was quite the experience. And, you know, doing this all with like one eye open and no sleep and like my ass hurt and driving for 14 hours. Like, you know, it's just like, it, it, it was a real test, you know, it was a real like, so you want to be a musky guide full time kind of a moment. And uh, long story short, I cleaned enough of an area in the kitchen area that's like that vinyl flooring mm-hmm. with like bleach and Lysol and bleach and bleach and bleach and bleach. And I did some like seance shit and <laughs> like I just felt like it was OK. And that's where I slept for like the first few nights. You smell like, like a public pool. In my sleeping bag on like this vinyl floor because it was the only place where I was sure I wasn't going to get like raccoon feces AIDS or something, whatever the hell they have. I don't know. Was, you were going to wake up with rabies. Yeah, it, was, it was terrible. I mean, it might have been where Corona started. <laughs> so you, li- you lived in a camper in Tennessee, but you also lived in a camper in Wisconsin. Right, two different ones. So how does it feel <laughs> now to actually live in a home? Uh, weird, <clears throat> but but really good, man. You know, I mean, uh, all those years of living like that, I saved up money so I could buy a house and everything, just like just like a normal person. <laughs> Not a de- degenerate that lives in a camper. But, uh, you know, it's good, man. I'm not complaining. You know, it's funny, the... Uh, the bunkhouse where I'm hanging out at talking to you guys and where I tie my flies and where people stay at when they come fish with me. It's this is like 150 times nicer than where I lived the entire time I was coming up, you know, your entire twenties. So it's, I'm blessed, man. I feel really lucky. And, uh, you know, I have a beautiful spot on the river here and, uh, you know, one more piece of the puzzle, right? So home base is up North. And when you travel down south, what do you do now? I uh, didn't go down to Tennessee this year to guide. Um, COVID stuff and cancellations and, and just, you know, a couple other factors. I just decided sure. that maybe that's not the best move for me anymore. Hmm. So uh, we'll see. You know, this is the first year, so trying to uh, – trying to figure it out last year i did a little bit less than i normally would and um you know i gotta be honest with you guys i do miss it i miss living in the camper down there a little bit and getting out of the negative degrees and musky fishing all the time still but it that was a tough climate to uh to make a guide business work it it blew out a lot yeah that's uh, very precipitation dependent down there yeah it is man and you know there's the, the particular area where I was at, there's only so many places to go. And, and as we talked about earlier, um, you know, the increase of anglers and things like that, it was harder and harder to provide the experience that I was used to providing for people. Um, so that, that weighed in a little bit as well. In, in your home waters back in Wisconsin, how many different options do you have for a day's float uh, water dependent? How many? I mean, I mean, I know you're not doing the same float over and over, day in, day out. Do you have yeah, 50 different it's, it's, options? 
Yeah, it's literally endless. Um, there's water that I haven't been on in, in a couple of years that I would love to go see that is just maybe a little bit further away from my house than, than I would normally travel. And then there's stuff that I fish around here that I didn't fish a couple of years ago that I really enjoy. And, you know, it, 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 to really fish all the musky water up here, it would take a lifetime. Um, and especially to fish it in a way that I would like to fish it. So, um, you know, fishing it multiple, multiple times and learning it to the point of, of knowing it really, really well. And then you start to feel like you're actually fishing it and not just going out there and, and, you know, doing it. And it's different for me, right. Than than maybe a, a person that just goes out fishing a few times a year or whatever. Like I, I, uh, maybe to a fault, I, I have to know the why. Hmm. So just like, it's not good enough that we caught one there. It's why, you know, what's the river doing right there? The, the fish is there. What's the water doing? What's the time of year? What's the temperature? What's the bait fish doing? You know, all that stuff is where my head goes. As soon as we get a fish to eat, you know, I'm thinking about getting that fish in the, in the bag, but I'm also trying to take mental notes of exactly where that fish was and, 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 you know, so I can get to the, the end, I guess, which would be the, the definitive answer of why, which is sometimes really hard to, to get to with a uh, creature that has a brain. So it's not like other things, right. Where, you know, you can get definitive answers. Like, like you said, you're a diesel mechanic, like you run into the same problem over and over and over again. The solution's probably the same. Yeah. Where, whereas with a, you could run into the same problem over and over and over again and the solution may be the same, you know, six of the 10 times, but the other four times it doesn't work. You know, it, you know, there's, it's, uh, you know, I think you can figure it out. My, my mind doesn't shut off for it. Ah, it's, it, 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 you know, I'm not much of a hunter, but it, it's, it, it, it reminds me a lot of hunting. You know, you go out in the woods and you can see same thing a million times. And on this many times, it might not be the same exact you know, what you want to happen. Yep. So, Chris, when you go out and do a new float, like, uh, or or refresh a float from from many years gone by, do you have a certain group of, of guys that you call and say, hey, let's, uh, let's go try a new float today. Let's just go explore. Yeah, I mean, ideally, you go do it with your buddies. <laughs> Larry, me, he calls it. Larry. God damn it, Chad. He calls, he's like, hey, Larry, let's go hang out and fish. Yeah, we've been over Sorry, this. sorry. <laughs> you know what's really funny about that is Larry and I did a float last hmm. year that he hadn't done in, like, forever. I couldn't even tell you how many years. I had never done it before. And uh, we, I think we had already caught two muskies. That's it? Caught, <laughs> He caught two, and we're coming into this spot, and he goes, you know, my dad used to catch a muskie right there. He's like, I think I should row, and you should catch a muskie out of that spot. Hmm. And he hadn't been there in, like, something like 20-something years, you know? And, like, two, three casts, I couldn't even tell you I caught one. And he goes, oh, there's my dad's muskie. <laughs> and, uh, you know, we, whatever, we let it go. Everything's all good. But, you know, clearly it's not the same muskie of his dad's time there but it just shows you that a good spot is a good spot is a good spot and you know a couple decades can pass 
and that'll still be a good holding lie for a you know a fish to to get something to eat. So you know, just stuff like that is is pretty cool. Um, Could be the so spawn of, of that. Stuff will hold true, but like a lot of times when when you when you maybe don't go on a piece of water for a long time and then return back to it, there could be a weather event or a water event or something that changes things. And, uh, you know, things just start to, as, as maybe not as you remembered, uh, because of, uh, you know, a drastic water event or something like that. Like specifically this year, I went on a float that I hadn't been on in a couple of years that I had been on many times before. And I come around kind of this swift corner and, we get there and what's going on? There's a whole damn tree across the whole river. And now all of a sudden you got a now what? Split decision to make, you know? And luckily I had a couple of experienced clients with me and, and it was like a, uh, kind of like we were about the machine in motion and we kind of just grabbed it and portaged the boat over and it was all good. But, but, uh, you know, that type of stuff can happen. So when you're going on a new piece of water, it's always important to, uh, for one thing, bring a saw always, whether it's a handsaw or you got a chainsaw or um, whatever it is. And obviously there's restrictions to that depending on where you're at, but um, never a bad idea to have a little handsaw with you and, uh, and some extra rope just in case. But yeah, man, you know, it's just, that's fun. That's fun going and, and picking apart new stuff. And it's, it's really enjoyable. You know, it's really fun to me too. Um, we talked about this before maybe, but like, knowing what's going on in your area right like so if you've got a float that you've done umpteen times and you know it really really well and you but you hadn't done it in a while it's just like man i wonder what the heck's going on i wonder if they're in this spot i wonder if they're in that spot i wonder if they're using this yet are they using that like and that type of stuff to me is also uh really enjoyable to to figure out something just a little off topic though and we've talked to other, you know, avid muskie fishermen up north and everything else. Do you, so say you move a fish, it doesn't eat. Do you switch to a smaller, any color fly? Or do you switch flies or do you just keep throwing at that fly or at that fish with the same, you know, same tactics? No, yeah, you can definitely switch. Um, if they follow something in and don't eat it, and something's not right. You know, they didn't like something about it. So switching to a slightly smaller fly sometimes works. Um, you know, I'm a big proponent. I think we've talked about this before, but I call it the potato chip theory. You yeah. know, like maybe it's not quite ready for a big giant meal, but it'll eat a potato chip. So, you know, you might just give it just like a four or five inch bait fish pattern or, you know, another widely, widely overlooked thing with the muskie fishing is... You know, they eat the hell out of crayfish. So you put a, a, a good crayfish imitation of substantial size in front of one and you get it to make bottom contact or, or whatever it needs to be. You know, sometimes bottom contact is huge for these triggering these fish. And, you know, a small little crayfish making bottom contact is sometimes enough for them to just smash it. Um, really? It doesn't necessarily even need to be a crayfish either. I mean, it could just be like a river pig pattern or a clouser type pattern or something that just has weight in it that's going to get to the bottom and you can make bottom contact with and it might stand up just a little bit. Yeah. I watched Mary Sightfish, a uh, low 40-inch muskie last year, 
with a jig that we were posted up in this spot and we watched this muskie. And this type of stuff does not happen often, maybe a couple times a year. You very rarely get to sight fish these fish. But we watched this muskie creeping up this riverbank, up underneath this, this overhanging grass, dude. And, I mean, there was maybe six inches of water where this muskie was. At. You know, 20-pound muskie was swimming through this stuff. And it was hunting up these little suckers that were like four or five inches max, you know, more like threes. And, uh, and we were watching him. And we were watching these little suckers spook in and grab one. And Larry put on this jig, and it was just crazy. That fish's realm of awareness. Larry casted it up into the grass, not even into the damn river. He was in the grass. And I watched that muskie's eyes key in on that grass shaking as he's sitting there shaking his jig, just like a frog or whatever would be walking up to the riverbank. That fish knew that something was about to happen. And when he popped it into the river, that fish keyed in on it so fast and it didn't eat it. And he was just sitting there shaking it. And the fish was just inches away from it after it closed the, you know, some, you know, a couple two foot gap. And Larry picks it back up, casts it into the grass again, shake, 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 puts it back into the river, just shakes it, doesn't move it an inch, just shakes it a little bit. And the fish picks it up. And it was just like, dude, I mean, mm. It would take me a half an hour to explain everything that I learned from that. You so know? If, if you're fly fishing, would you feel that? You, or was it just like a soft, like tap, tap, like, like a small mouth would do for a, a bass guy? Oh, and it ate it? Uh, I'm asking. Yeah, when it ate I it. Think, I think when you're fly fishing, you have to use a slightly different technique. You have to be a little bit more tight line to it. And it's a game of very small saltwater style strips, you know? You see those guys in the videos, Greg Zini's a big one. Tick, 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 tick. Just like really little, just barely to get that little rabbit strip to move, right? Yeah. Well, it's the same thing with that situation. You're going to be really tight to your fly and just barely shaking your rod or barely moving that line just to get those those feathers to flutter, that flashaboo to move around a little bit. And you'll feel them grab it. Or what will happen is, is you'll go to move it again. It'll, and it'll be heavy. Wait. And it's not even like I, I can I remember this like it was yesterday. This was like seven or eight years ago, a real specific time. I was with a guy named Seth and he was from Colorado. And his buddy, I can't remember his buddy's name, but Seth has this really nice muskie come in. We throw uh, a jig style fly back at the fish. Uh the give it time for the fly to drop to strip there's weight he goes oh i'm hung up and i'm just screaming at him to set the hook right <laughs> he set the hook and that muskie comes flying out of the water and we caught it for beast his personal best muskie i think to this day i haven't seen him in, in years but you know i mean it, it's a uh it's a thing that can be done absolutely and more often than than you might think you can get that fish to uh react in a positive way with something that that might make a little bottom contact and when you're throwing something that's going to make bottom contact is it like a smallmouth sized crayfish fly or are you throwing like river pigs that are eight inches what what are you thinking 
Just I, I prefer like a river pig style. Okay. Um, you know, something with some real heavy dumbbells and something that's got see the cool thing about the river pig is it's got it's got like a lot of body, but the feathers, if it's tied um the traditional way or whatever you want to call it. I mean that fly has not been around for that long, but um the feathers are kind of short. You know, so they kind of do stand up a bit. Um so the river pigs that I have tied up that it's not a fly that I search with. Not that it's a bad fly to search with. Um, it's just not something that, that I do. Um, I specifically have, you know, three or four of those in my box that are for this scenario that, that we're talking about. Yeah. Man. And, um, you know, you just want to tie them at different fall rates. You want to tie them with different bulk uh, to the body. And you want to tie them, you know, and when I say different fall rates, that's, that's, that's controlled by how thick you tie the body and obviously how big of a lead eye that you put on the hook. And, uh, you know, you might, I would suggest having a little, a little quiver of those, you know, with various different sink rates and various different things, because you never know where you're going to, you know, you might move a fish out of four feet of water that you need to go back and try that technique, or you might move that fish out of 18 inches of water and you still want something that's maybe going to make some bottom contact, but you don't want it to sink like a bullet. Yeah. I always find it's, you know, like you were saying, very, uh, water relevant, you know, how, how high the water is, how low the water is, what water in attempts, all this kind of stuff, but hell yeah. Absolutely, man. You know, without without some of that information, it's purely speculatory at that point because you just don't even, you know, you, you know, if, if a fish is in eight feet of water, you're going to fish to it differently than if it's in, you know, a foot of water. It's just it's just situational. So when that situation arises, are you fishing a flat or a, are you fishing with snap so you can change it real quick? to put the bottom bouncing fly on or you have another rod rigged up what what's your uh what's your tactic for that both of those are very viable things that you could do uh i don't like to snap when i'm fly fishing mm. and i can tie a perfection loop with a fly and you know almost as quickly as you could probably snap on and snap off a different fly so just because i do it so often um and i just i don't i it's just me personally. It doesn't matter. You know, you're losing the money. A lot of people that catch fish on, on rigs with snaps and swivels and all that stuff. I don't want any of that stuff going on. I just want a really clean leader, 40 pound fluoro to 40 pound wire. Uh, occasionally with the 12 weight and a really, really big fly. I might do a, a 60 pound butt to 40 to 40 pound wire. And I'm just doing real clean knots, keeping them as small as I can get them. And the perfection loop uh, to the fly from the wire is almost flawless um, when it comes to that 40-pound wire and fly fishing. Uh, it's a really, really solid connection that I've had no problems with. And, um, you know, I just feel like it gives the fly a little bit better action than if you've got a big snap on there. So, yeah, yeah, I felt like I felt like until... All right, we dolled down to a smaller snap size. What we were doing, it would it would always pull my fly down. Um, but 
you don't you don't mind losing the you know the wire just cutting a new one and just it and it is what it is and you just lose the wire at the end yep just huh. part of the game yeah okay yeah very uh, very small insignificant yep uh price thing you know what i mean yeah. like it when when you add up everything else it's 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 not even worth uh stressing about losing a little bit of wire just because you know, if you're a really diehard musky guy, that personal best musky is worth a whole goddamn spool of wire. <laughs> absolutely. Oh, yes, yes, absolutely. Yep. Hmm. So, hey, Chris, we've had you on the phone for like an hour and forty minutes. Is there anything? Right is there anything that we haven't hit on that we should be hitting on? Uh, you know, just the reason why I wanted to come on and everything, we we covered it really well, but just making sure everybody's aware that we're in a different time than we might've been before. And, and the fish are really, 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 really fucking important. Yeah. That's why we do it is because of the fish. And so if you want to catch a big muskie, taking care of every muskie that you catch is the way to do that. And that's just really the bottom line. So whether it's 32 inches 43 inches, 48 inches, 50 inches, 52 inches, whatever it is, just they deserve the utmost respect that you can possibly give them and just handle with care. You know, uh, those are, I said it before, I'll say it again. And, you know, some people would take, would say that taking ownership of a fish or a fishery is a bad thing, but, but don't look at it that way. Think of it as a positive thing. This is my river. These are my fish and I want to protect them and I want them to be safe. So that means that when I'm fishing with my friends, I'm encouraging them to do the same thing. Uh, if you're a fishing guide and there's a ton of new musky guides out there, like a crazy amount, right? It, it's your responsibility to take care of that fish when you catch it with a customer. So if they're overhandling it, if they want more photos, if they want, you know, whatever it is, it's up to you to say, hey, enough is enough. We got to let her go, you know, because they don't know a lot of times. And that person may just be so excited that they're not thinking that they've been holding that fish out of the water for 45 seconds. And it's time to put it back, you know? I, I, and but, I think so, that goes for more than anything. Fish. Hate to sound like a preachy old fart, but you just take care of those muskies, man. They're, they're so important. And you want to catch them. I want to catch them. Everybody wants to catch them. So take care of them so we can. I think that goes for all the fish across the board. You know, absolutely, musky, absolutely, but even you know, slow growth rate. Yeah, so you, you catch a twenty-year-old smallmouth or any any large fish. Uh, not as matter like you said, you have to treat them well at a small age so they can get to a big age. But yeah, it goes across the board. I think you catch you just bash them right on the head, and that's all great. And uh, no, I'm just kidding. The walleye. <laughs> only, only the walleyes. <laughs> only the walleyes. <laughs> no, we got to let those go too, because you know, um, you know, we're going to be missing year classes here. We're, th- that's that's really my main concern um, in all of this. And it, you know, call me uh, Stuart Little if you want, but hmm. the, the the 2020 2021 year is going to be really really tough on our natural resources. And we just need to combat that with just extra care. And that's, that's, that's the bottom line. Awesome. Thank you, Chris. Thank Yeah. Well said. 
So, Chris, if guys, if listeners want to fish with you, how are they going to find find you? Uh, com, uh, CW Guide on Instagram, and I'm trying to be better about doing the Facebook stuff, too. So it's just Chris Willen on Facebook. And, uh, yeah, hit me up. Let's go. 2021, I got some really good bass dates available still. I got some good musky stuff going. Um, my fall stuff's getting a little booked out already, uh, which is pretty standard. But got a lot of uh, got a lot of time open for the season, and love to show you my neighborhood. And uh, yeah, man, it's all good. Just uh, living living a happy life up here, waiting for it. And today marks actually, if you're counting, which some of you may be, a mm-hmm. hundred and one days until Northern Wisconsin Muskie opener. So tomorrow is a hundred, and then after that, we are down to double digits. To double digits, baby. <laughs> I call it double digits we... when I start drinking at ten p.m. or ten a.m. <laughs> that doesn't sound like something you would do. No, not yet. Uh, we get to fish musky all year round here in PA, but sure, and that's great. And God you know what? Us. Another thing that we didn't touch on at all, which I'm glad you brought that up for the year-round anglers. There is a specific time. I'm going to talk about this really fast, but it's really important. Yeah, man. There is a time where you should ethically not be fishing for them. And a lot of those places, Tennessee, Virginia, Pennsylvania, Ohio, Kentucky, um, the list goes on, Illinois. When that water temperature is getting to 80 degrees, 79, 88, all that stuff above that, leave them be. Go bass fishing. Go have some fun. Go do Go do some guilt-free bass fishing. If you guys are like me, sometimes when it's musky season, and I feel like I don't go musky fishing, like I'm 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 shortchanging myself or I'm, I'm feeling guilty. And you know, if that's the way you feel, I get you. I really get it. Go bass fishing when that water's 80 degrees. The bass don't mind. They like that warm water. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, be cautious. Be careful. Warm water releases. Try to let them go quickly. Blah 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 blah. Don't be don't be tanking them. I know a lot of us uh, fly guys aren't rolling around in rangers and shit like that, putting five fish in a box and driving around with them all day. That's ridiculous. But amen. Uh, anyway, hey Chris, when's it's 80 degrees? I go catch carp, man. Yeah, uh, carp, carp, I like race. hybrid. They're the best. <laughs> hybrid striped bass, right? There, those are my favorites. Yeah. But yeah, there's there's always warm water options when the water gets yeah. too warm for muskies. Oh yeah, for here, yes, absolutely. Heck yeah, and and that you know, we don't deal with it quite as much in our rivers up here, but absolutely in our lakes, there was a period last year where, you know, where we just had to say, hey, we got to leave them be. So very important. I'm glad you brought that up. That's such an important thing as we're coming into the 2021 season, like I said, 100 days away up here or so. And, um, you know, July, sometimes in August, really uh, last year it was July, man, where there was just a few days where it was just like, whew, got to give them a break. Yeah, man. So, And that that's extended for guys in, in Virginia, West Virginia, Tennessee, um, PA. You guys get really, really warm in the summer. Um, you know, it's just, oh, yeah. just a good idea to leave them be for a little bit. So deer, deer. when you do get to go back and catch them, that they're there to be caught. Black crows. 
Okay. God damn, I love talking to Chris. Oh, jeez, <laughs> Chris is so awesome. Yeah, 10, ten. 10 muskies in one day. Holy shit. Yeah, man. <laughs> As, Adam, you've never touched a muskie or seen a muskie. No. Never. Or smelled a muskie. No. It smells like shit. They have a they have a particular smell to oh, them. Yeah. Oh, They're yeah. They're slimy. Uh-huh. They're and not the pike, as... You've never seen a pike neither, though. No, I've seen pike. But you've caught a pike and held it? They smell, too. Yeah. No, no, I was with you and your dad. Okay. Catching, but no, yeah, I, I did. I caught a pike when he was on the boat with us. Yes. Okay. You were with uh, we went uh, with Evans. Evans and his mm-hmm. buddy were there that night. Yep. A sleeping, sleeping angel. <laughs> sleeping angel. <laughs> yeah. My good buddy Torg. I love him. No, he's the one that bailed on Ryan uh, this weekend. He could have caught his first white bass. He probably could have, but he probably got. Wasted the night before and never showed up. Who knows? Oh, he's probably fucking groupies. Who? Well, tra- come on, the kids. The kids he is. He is very young. He's only in his twenties. So yeah. in my twenties, he couldn't have counted for me either. That might have been who fished with us that same day too. Because he was. Uh, yeah, sleeping he was angel. Like super hungover and maybe yeah, stuff like exactly. One, yes. One yeah. yeah, because he went out and partied all night. Yeah. Right. And then still came down with Evans because Evans is a dedicated fisherman. Yeah. That guy's. I mean. He, he's dedicated. Yeah. He's a sponsor for the show, for Christ's sakes. Hey, yeah. <laughs> and ties great flies and or gets in great flies and product. But yeah. it, like he comes down, and it's like, oh, Evans is here. Okay. And the thing about it, like even that river is like, Dad and I float that river. And that stretch of the river all the time. So right. every spot's like... We're going to do what we're going to do. We know what's going on here. Yeah. like You have the lay of the land. And even it, their boat was in front of ours at that time and rode past where I even caught that pike. Yeah. I thought your dad caught it. No, I did. It was uh, a 25. It ate through the half. Yeah, it yeah. ate through your my dad, net. Your dad caught the big walleye. Yeah, yeah, yeah caught, he yeah. caught that big walleye that day. Yeah, you caught And, you know, like on our, and that's on a smallmouth float. Mm-hmm. You know, I was fishing. We were both fishing for smallmouth at the time. Yeah. Which I, I, I love that. I love that for our local water. Our local water, if you start fishing the right flies at the right times, and uh, you if, if our water opens up and I, I can see it running, it's we could probably put the boat on it. Um, in the next few weeks, we should be fishing for pike. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Absolutely. Like, what do you think? I, and I'm, I'm going to. Yeah. I was going to take my boat on If Friday. nobody wants to go with me, they don't have to, but I'm going to go in the freezing cold for pike because... The big females move before the fucking ice, or like the ice off. I was gonna take my boat out on Friday to do a new stretch of water, but my fucking wife hit a fucking parked car in TJ Maxx fucking parking lot, <laughs> and their car's at the shop. So I have to take her to work, and I had to take a vacation day because it's my last day. Uh, it's a goddamn train wreck. But yes, <laughs> I, was, I was going to go on Friday to go throw flies for Pike. Yeah, that we should be throwing flies for pike right now. If I mean, if you're going to do something in the area, like the ice off is time, and even before the ice off, you can get in February. That's when the big girls move to the areas they're going to be in when they're going to spawn. So you get them on the pre-spawn, and that's what we should be moving on. And I will here in the next couple of weeks. I got to blow my blow my raft up. I've got so many projects going on right now at the house. I, Trying to get everything, and I'm trying to buy my time. Why it's so freezing ass cold? I'm just buying my time. 
I'm not fishing right now. I'm buying weekends with my daughter. I'm yeah. buying weekends yeah. with my wife. I'm buying time at home. Is that why you didn't come over on Saturday? And I'm buying every <laughs> ounce of time I can buy right now because I know when fishing season happens, like it's about to happen. I'm I'm gonna go put a floor in at my great uncle's house, the one that we fished or we hunted with, and yeah, you know, yeah, Uncle just Keith. for you know, it's uh, it's Uncle Keith. Dad feels like he's got to take care of him. It's his last uncle, and it's my last great uncle. So mm-hmm. he was good to my dad, and if he was good to my dad, he's got he was good to me. So mm-hmm. I got to be good to him too as well. So yeah, you know, you, you pay it forward to the older older uh, people yeah. in your family. Speaking of floors that you put in, you just put a floor in the bathroom upstairs. Yeah, I pissed on it. Oh, cool! I <laughs> agree, <laughs> right, Chad. I didn't. I didn't put any. Uh, hold on. I did not put any any of the floor in around the toilet. I put in the main part of the floor, and then I, the other kid who works with us, the younger kid. We'll Tim. get to the story here in a minute. <laughs> Tim. Yeah, who works with us? Yeah. So, he. Uh, yeah. He he put the rest of that floor in around the toilet. I didn't put any of that in. <laughs> Chad, yeah. backtracking a little bit. What uh, what lake did you ice fish on this past week? I'm assuming. Okay. Yeah, that that's all the further detail you're getting. All right. But yeah, that that's Deal. the lake we were on. What'd you keep? Did you get some walleye? Uh, we got Jay's one. Jay's got one walleye. We we got one walleye uh-huh. Uh-huh. <laughs> and four white bass. It was bass. twenty-four or three-quarter inches. It was fucking giant. We talked about it. Yeah, it was huge. It was it a was big giant. walleye. Yeah. Um, we got four white bass and three perch. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we had six perch fillets. That's and fun. those white bass were enough to feed eight of us at podcast night. Yeah. And, and I had leftovers the next day. And you know what? They were great. Yeah, sure. Like, it wasn't bad. Like, I, like, as a person who worked even uh, just at Red Lobster, but we had consistently had fresh, fresh fish. fish that was every two days. Never frozen. Uh, the best we ever had was the, what did cobia? you? Yeah, cobia. Uh, but everything was always good. Like, dude, if you fry anything, yeah, would you and fish put fry it in grease, did well, fish fry? Yeah, fish, yeah, we we did fish fry two days in a row. Actually, we yeah, did. I mean, if you fry fish, like <laughs> if you put so it, it, it's it's great. And yeah. that white that dude, that white bass was amazing. I'm not gonna throw a white bass back. Hell no, <laughs> Chris Chris Willen. Sorry, bro. I know there's more people out fishing. <laughs> I'm keeping some fucking white bass. <laughs> yeah. Nobody keep. That's the thing, though. Nobody keeps white bass. You're gonna keep all your crop, your perch, your walleyes. Everything else pretty much goes back into the water. Maybe a pike or two get kept. But oh, we're gonna not sli- there though. We're gonna they don't have pike. No, not there. But we're gonna slit some pikes this year too. Yeah, and yeah, it's it's fine. from where? Not the Shenango. Wherever we catch them, wherever we catch them, yeah, <laughs> all right. Yeah. It's it no no not out of no not out of the Shenango River. No, no, we don't, I don't keep. Mind, I don't mind keeping. We one don't or keep two. shit out of the Shenango River. Yeah, you keep one, I guess. One <laughs> or two for a year. Is it gonna hurt someone? No, I don't. No, <laughs> not if we all split the fish. But I don't. I don't agree with keeping them out of there. No, I wouldn't. I. Well, I'm yeah. just personally, you know, Chad, I'm not, I, I don't. Wait, I just you don't, don't agree with keeping fish from there, but you want, okay. We don't have to argue. I I, I don't disagree with anything from there, um, but I'm not going to keep even a walleye. 
Oh, you mean safety wise? Yeah, for our yeah. river, for my safety. Yeah, when I eat that pers- motherfucker. Yeah, okay. your own personal. Oh, oh fuck that hurt. Ow, ow. Ow. <laughs> What'd you do? I got that hook. Uh, yeah, yeah, that was a good one. <laughs> yeah, stupid ass. No, that that's totally fine. Yeah, thought, your own personal yeah, safety. No, yeah, no, not for I thought, your, I thought yeah, you were talking river. fish population wise. Oh, I don't give a shit about the fish population, okay. Chad. You know me. Okay, I'm just saying do. I'm not keeping a goddamn thing out of our river because there's PCBs there and it's just not. You're, they they have signs that you're not supposed to keep shit. Yeah. So no, I'm not no, going to keep shit. I, I'm totally fine with that. I'm not going not gonna to argue one Dude, bit. Dude, <laughs> I, I want to go back to something Will said. Like, I have never seen more people in the great no, outdoors. No, 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 no. Personally, just in our river, I've never, ever, ever, ever seen more walleye caught on a fly than this past year. Yeah. Like, there are walleye to be caught in our river uh, and upon size. Like, I'm talking sized sized walleye. Like, we're talking 24 to 30-inch walleye that we're catching on fly rods while we're bass fishing. That, like, dude, you don't catch those anywhere else. But you know what it is? It's there's nobody down there. There's nobody down there is keeping them anymore. Mm-hmm. So now yeah. they can just naturally, they're, they're going to naturally reproduce. And nature's having its way. Yeah, and they're going to, there, there is going to be a fucking shitload of walleye in our river. Just naturally. And, and dude, this is so awesome because they're hitting the fly. They're an apex predator. Oh, they are the apex predator. The apex yeah. predator. They eat more food than everybody else. More or less. I mean, pike. Them eat and a, pike. Pike eat a lot too. I'm gonna say pike, but yeah. walleye are right there, man. Walleye don't give a fuck. They got teeth. They're and big. Those, those and line they, sides. They eat and a they're lot. They're cool. They eat a lot as well. They do what? The line sides eat a lot as well. The, the hybrids. Oh, uh, yeah. <laughs> they yeah. Well, they learn to manipulate the. We have a shad population in mm-hmm. our lake and our river. And those fish, and also the walleye, learn to push these fish into certain situations where they have nowhere to fucking go. But in their mouth. Yeah, it's like, you're either going to go here, or you're going to go nowhere but to me. And it's, and then they'll, man, they're the best. I, I, but I like, I like to see, like, I've never seen more walleye, you know? Mm-hmm. And it's good to see. It's fun. They're fun. They're another fun fish to have around our area that you might have, catch as a bycatch. You know, that's it's They're cool. Fun. Yeah, twenty four inch walleye. You're like, holy shit, on a seven weight. You're like, oh god. It's a bar of gold when you pull it in. You yeah, know, it's, it's worth super, a bar of gold. Yeah, because you're holding it. And you're like, holy shit. Like, you're what smiling ear to yeah. ear. Yeah, you know, so cool, so cool. I love, I love seeing more of them. We and see them during the floats all the time now. You know, and and like we talked about the pike and the muskie in certain areas, and the and, and and just in our smallmouth floats, there's a lot of it. That's oh man, uh, Aaron was supposed to come with me on Friday, if I was going to do my mm. float, Aaron Chine. Mm-hmm. But uh, yeah, I called it off. I said, hey man, uh, new float, got to take my wife to work. Not going to happen. It's just too cold. I'm skinning deer tails. <laughs> <laughs> You gotta give him a few deer tails. Yeah. yeah, that's a good dude too as well. Aaron Chine's a great person. We met through just friends of friends. Friends of friends. And uh 
like I said, I got a, a tattoo coming for my wife from him. Hmm. So it's coming soon. On your wife or for your wife? For my wife. What I is, I didn't have dragon her... dragon on your penis. No 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 no. no. On her skin. Oh, okay. I didn't. Oh, have... on her skin. Yeah, I got her a gift card to get tattooed by Aaron. Oh, awesome! Yeah, very cool. <sighs> you, we're gonna do. We're we're gonna figure out a trout on my arm here sometime. I have ideas for smallmouth tattoos. That's all I have to say. <laughs> I think I'm gonna do a brookie, like like a sleeve of war paint, but like no outline of the fish. Ah, you know very I mean? cute. Like, like the hand is gonna be like the <clears throat> eye, the eye paint. You can't you can't put a tattoo in your hand. I know. God, I I hate showing these things to people. No, no, I just mean because, <laughs> like, you know, you might have to be like. I'm never gonna get a real job. <laughs> really? No. Like, come on. I guess I get, I should do it too, but I always feel like like there's no reason to have a, a tattoo past my wrist or above my neck. No, nothing above my neck. neck but uh, yeah. sucker, but, sucker on your neck. <laughs> sucker fish on your neck. There you go, Chad. That that sounds good for you. But for what I for what I do for a living, stop Jay, being Jace. Talking to the microphone. For what I do for a living. There's nobody in our field that doesn't have tattoos below their elbows. You know what I mean? I'm I'm an sure. exception. I have straight teeth on top, not on the bottom, but I have straight teeth and they're all there and no tattoos below my elbows. I am not a diesel mechanic. You're a minority. <laughs> <laughs> it's funny because my cousin Shane, he's a computer a, programmer. A banker. Yeah. No, he's a computer programmer yeah. for Highmark. Or yeah. not from my, yeah, Highmark? Yeah, I think I think Highmark. Highmark, yeah, yeah, the insurance company. So, in the, in the buildings down in Pittsburgh. Yeah, yeah. So, he has tattoos. I mean, you get yeah, good look at this kid, man. Get one good look at him. He's bald headed. He's tattooed to his everywheres, and I mean, he's a, but but look at the two total differences. Is you're you're a diesel mechanic. I'm I'm a construction worker. I can do whatever the I want exactly. We're not expected to put suits on. No, I'm a, I, I'm expected to look like a crackhead. Yeah, for God's <laughs> sakes. I mean, and the the job I do, I'm not. But you know what I mean? Yeah, I I know exactly what you mean. And like I said, I'm growing a beard and like long hair right now. And, and you look horrible. I do. I look like a fucking idiot. <laughs> you look. You look like a fat beard. You 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 look like. Santa on vacation minus like six gray hairs. Like but if you pl- keep getting more gray, you might as well just rock it out and just be Santa Claus, you fat fuck. I'm going to. I look like Santa I'm plus. Sorry. I I know this offends you, Adam. I'm not but offended. Santa look, on vacation. I look was, like Santa plus funny. six Snickerdoodles. But uh, but when a a truck comes into our shop and it needs an air compressor, guess who? Guess who has to do it? <laughs> you. In a day, in three hours. It's SRT time, seven and a half hours. I did in three. Look at your arms, man. Your, <laughs> arm, your arms explain. No, 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 no. I don't mean your I hands. <laughs> You've got, dude, you're, you're built like a shipwreck house. No, you know what? I don't, I'm such a pussy anymore. I don't need, I don't need this anymore because I know how to do things. When I have to get under a truck and like start wrench, actually wrenching. My arms get so tired, and I'm like, oh, my arms are so tired. (laughs) If anyone doesn't see this, I'm holding them down, like, below my heart. I'm like, oh, they hurt. And Mm -hmm. 
You know, I get like three turns on something. I'm like, oh, they hurt. But I'm a construction worker. Yeah. You learn the easy ways out of everything. Hey, kid, go get that shit for me. Once you do stuff (laughs) long enough, you learn how to do it. Oh, yeah, for sure. Yeah. Learn to use the least amount of energy while doing something. I was able to put up six foot fucking pieces of drywall. Literally, six foot pieces on a ceiling that was, it was in a basement, so it was in my in my arm's reach, but I put them up by myself, Chad. That's more than I could have ever done. A whole six foot piece of drywall. Did you have a dead man? And, and screwed it. Screwed and it screwed it, it by myself. Yeah. yeah. Did you have a dead man? Who's a dead man? Like the uh, drywall lift? No, no, a two by four with a T on the end of it. No, I had a, my a hands. A dead man. No, my hand. No, my hands picked up a six foot piece of drywall, put them. It was like I said, we built our header down, mm-hmm. so it was a little lower. It was in a basement, but we had to build it around all the ductwork. So, but I was able to pick up a six foot piece of drywall, put it onto the ceiling by myself, move it in with this hand, the left hand, grab my drywall zip, gun, zip, 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 zip down my fucking two foot on center on your nailer. Yeah, yeah. and then just move on. By myself, I showed this kid how to do shit today. I was like, this is how you get shit done, bro. And I showed this 25-year-old fucking young man, like, Jay don't fuck around, okay? Jay might be, he might look like a weak little bitch, but he's not really a weak little bitch. He just, you know, there's just these certain things. I, I put the first one up, the only fucked up part I had, the first one I put up, I couldn't tell on six foot what was actually hanging over or not because I made it a little big because I was able to cut off either edge. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So I, yeah. I, I fucking sucked the thing up. I'm like, eh, it looks pretty good. Fuck, blah, blah, blah. Throw fuck three screws in it. Like, and I moved down the other. Well, seven screws will hold it up till I get dude, to it was like, at it. It was like, <laughs> dude, it was like a 16th off. So, But you're hanging drywall, so fuck it. Well, no, the other piece of drywall yeah. is going to hang down. We're going to throw a corner on it. Yep. Yeah, and then patch it all in anyway. But... The kid just, I, I, dude, I don't, like, kids nowadays, they don't have. So speaking of kids nowadays. You they don't a- have the work ethic or the, 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 the I, I swear I like this kid. He's a good dude. He's my boy. They can't figure things out. Uh, he's a he's a fucking engineer. He has an engineering degree. I work with a kid. I know. Works, I see him shoot okay, archery league every kid, Tuesday yeah, night. Exactly. He's a fucking <laughs> he's a retarded redneck. But the kid has an engineering degree. And, like, I'm like. I don't have an engineering degree, but um, I've done this for a long time, so I know what I'm talking about. So this is the way this shit works. <laughs> he, dude, kids, an, oh god, he's so smart, but he can't fucking put up drywall for shit. You don't cut drywall perfect, no, especially on the fucking ceiling because you got a half inch to fucking cover you on the other end. For God's sake, I hate to talk fucking construction. On, on the podcast, but... What is this, Jay on the house? <laughs> yeah, Lord fucking Jam. Christ, Lord Christ, you got a fucking quarter, you got a half inch here, you fucking jackass, cut the shit right. Uh, all, right. Yeah, all right, I'm done. Uh, young kid, he's he's but he's a cool dude. We're going to shoot Archer with him. He's, he's, you'll like him. What's his name? So he, he's going to be... Wait, 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 no, 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 my friend, no, 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 Jay, Jay, Jay. Before you say names, did you think better of saying... Telling a story. What story? I don't know. Some edibles. 
Oh, that, <laughs> that story. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, oh, Tim. Tim's funny. Tim's a funny kid. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, I, don't, I don't know how to tell this story any better, but... <sighs> I work with some guys. All the guys I work with are really fucking cool. <laughs> Coolest dude I work with, he brings something to eat for the rest of us. And I'm an experienced person. I've been around the block. You know what I mean? So you hand me something, and I'm like, oh, down the hatch. <laughs> okay, so before I even get back to the fucking shop, everybody else's are down the fucking hatch. Yeah. <laughs> so there's one left for me, and I'm like, all right, down the hatch. Okay. I look over at this kid like, oh, jeez, it, it set in for him so fast. Like, for me? Like, like I, I, no, and I get, I do, no, 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 no. The guy who made those things, I give him kudos. Because <laughs> I've made tons of those edible things, and... Phew, God bless me, because I've I've knocked out whole parties of people. <laughs> I will uh, if we want to get into some stories, I'll get into some stories about me knocking out fucking Tell you met your wife. Constant no <laughs> Yeah, my yes, my wife. Yes, exactly. The reason she fell for me is fucking She didn't fall for you, she was drugged by yeah. you. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, I told her to like Cosby. She literally her, fell. I told her to eat one of those, not the half a tray. So anyway. Those things, you, your wife, you're even your wife knows. <laughs> your wife knows to not do those things. Those things are not, they're, they're, it's, you know, it's not fun for me. Like, I'm a man of, I will do this or that or have my fun times. You're a man of many puffs. Yes, yes, <laughs> yes, sir. But to eat something's a little bit weird. And this kid, I mean, I watch his eyes go from like, like, he's, 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 he's like, Big eyed and he's he's that you know he has very good posture. Yeah, and he's eager. He's an ear beaver. You know, he's just that guy. You know, he's a he's he's bushy eyed or whatever. Big eyed and bushy tailed. You know, bright eyed and bushy tailed. Bright eyed. Yeah, exactly. There you go. See, I, this is why we have Adam here. <laughs> he's smart, not me. I watched this kid go from that to fucking just disgruntled and not disgruntled. <laughs> just I don't know. I don't even want to make of him. He's like he starts talking in accents, <laughs> and I'm like, why are you talking in accent, bruh? Like, and I'm fucked up too. But like, like we're just chilling. I drank like three beers. I'm like, I don't need more beers. Talk, was he talking like Conor McGregor? <laughs> yeah, it was weird, dude. It was like British accents and shit. He's like, dude, and like I'm like, what the fuck are you doing? And he's like looking at me like. It's like six o'clock, you know, and we got off at four o'clock. And I'm sitting there, I'm like, dude, we gotta go home. I gotta go home. Like, I'm going. I got a family and shit. <laughs> like, like <laughs> my wife's in my house. She's cooking dinner and like shit. Like, I gotta, I gotta go home. I got, or if, if I if I don't go home, I have to call my wife and tell her I'm not coming home for a second because this fucking retard ate a brownie and is fucking freaking out over here in the corner. My, like something has to fucking happen. You say my daughter's at my mom's house and my wife's in negligee. I have to go. <laughs> <laughs> that that should have been what I said because that was what was gonna happen. You know. But I had uh, so. But the problem was I had also I had also ingested something myself. So at this point I'm like, you know, me. I'm like, oh so you well, you know. Hey, dude, you can't fucking drive, but this should be okay. That's probably how I sent it to him. That's how you 
you sound like this in your mind. Yeah, this is it. I'm like, I'm like, you I got, were talking I gotta like get the fu- I gotta get the fuck out of here is what I was thinking. So, uh, then 7:30 rolls around. I'm like, <laughs> dude, I seriously like, I gotta get the fuck out of here. So I, I like, you know I me. Mean? I'm like, all right, I gotta go. I, gotta, I don't I, care if you can drive or not. Sleep in your truck, dude. dude there's a futon in the fucking in the shop in the front. Like, go sleep on the futon. I locked the doors up like I fucking was leaving and I fucking hauled out of that bitch and like like Dan fucking left him in my lap. That fucking son of a bitch. Dan fucking made all these things. Oh, are we still recording this shit? Yeah. It's on. Oh, that's awesome. So Yeah, that was that was that was a good time. Uh that kid was fucked, dude. He said he woke up at ten o'clock the next day. And was still like he's like I uh, oh man he went home his girlfriend what made, was this Friday after work yeah. yeah he called me at like nine o'clock and said he finally made it home <laughs> <laughs> and I'm like good did you lock the shop up yes that's fine okay perfect. he drove fifteen miles an hour the entire <laughs> way <laughs> I, that's what we were saying the whole time like, dude you're gonna drive like. 17, the cops gonna pull you over. Like, was I speeding, sir? No, it's gone seven fucking teen. In a 35. Me, I'm like, you know me. I'm, I'm, again. I know me. When I drink and I, you know, I get behind the wheel, I go fast. <laughs> I, dude, I went normal. I only had three beers at night, and I'm like, I gotta watch fucking God old Tinkerbell over here. Fucking can't handle himself. He's like, he's like, dude. Every two minutes, I'm, like, messed up, and then I'm not messed up. And then I come back. And then I'm, like, cool. And I'm, like, oh, well, you just need to stay here. But, hey, all this banter has been brought to you by Predator Fly Gear. PredatorFlyGear.com. Yeti, built for the wild. Hey, tonight's show has been recorded live from the Urban Fly Company studios. Check Mark out at urbanflycompany.com. Sims Fishing. Fish it well. Simsfishing.com. Queen City Guiding. Queencityguiding.com. Hey, check out Why Not Fishing in the Wrap the Dock. And we are being recorded live from the Urban Fly Company studios. Urbanflycompany.com. Yeah.